Hello, it's Dingus, also known as Christian Morosky. Bear with me for a moment before this week's show starts, because a beautiful thing is about to happen. You are going to pick the movie we do for one of our shows this month. The 2016 Make Us Watch Whatever Movie You Want Fun Drive has begun. It's simple. Donate a dollar. Just a dollar. And you can make us watch whatever movie you want. We mean it. Whatever you want. We'll do a whole quarter to three movie podcast on it on February 28th. Your choice will be the topic movie for the show. This works like a raffle. So for every dollar you donate, you get a ticket or vote for the movie you select. You can donate more than one dollar to get more votes for your movie of choice. Or you can split up your dollars if you like and choose a variety of movies, allocating your dollars however you choose. It's totally up to you. Seriously, when we say whatever movie you want, we mean any movie you want. If you want to make Tom and Dingus get off their high horse about never having watched The Goonies, you can. If you want to make us watch a chipmunk movie, we will. If you have a classic movie you love or even a documentary, go for it. Also, you're welcome to choose something we've already done. If you think we totally missed the point of Ender's Game, for instance, you can make us watch it again. I don't know what kind of monster would do that, but just donate a dollar and you'll get yourself a ticket for that in the raffle. We'll do a whole show on it. The only real restriction is on us. No employees or families of employees of the Quarter 3 Movie Podcast may participate. So Kelly cannot make us watch Zapped at long last. And Tom cannot make us watch Singing in the Rain, which he is forever harping on us to watch. All you have to do to participate is click on the Donate button on the front page of QuarterTo3.com or you can go to PayPal.me slash QT3, the letter Q, the letter T, the numeral three, or finally, you can donate directly to Tom's email address, tomwchick at gmail.com. Any of those will work. Please remember to include as a comment what movie you're choosing when you donate, or what movies if you're going to spread your votes over more than one movie, like playing more than one bingo card. Entries are good until February 21st at 9 p.m. California time when the movie you picked is revealed to us as we record that night's show. We will do this in real time, so in internet time, you will know when we will know. This will give us time to watch the movie in question, and you time to watch it before the show as well, so you can write in with your thoughts about the movie before we record on the 28th, if you like. Thank you so much, and enjoy the show. Order to three movie podcast for <laughs> Victoria. My name Absolutely. is Tom Chick, and I am here to discuss Victoria. Not the guy laughing, the guy who wasn't laughing. That is Christian Mar- Maronsky. Uh, you can, you guys can just refer to me as brother. And with our Victoria tagline, if you can stop snickering, Kelly Wan. It's like Run, Lola, Run, but with shorter hair. Kelly Wan, you normally have a, a, a pocket full of these. Are there more potential taglines for Victoria? It's like Reservoir Dogs, but co-ed. Sometimes there's a there's like a trio, a trinity of taglines. Is there a third? 
It's like Birdman, but with fewer shots and less underwear. You're on a roll. Is there a fourth, or are we just done with three? I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're quoting the movie. Uh, I I just want to say briefly, I saw this. This had a very limited release here in the U.S. It's like available for video on demand right now. We're ahead of you. I I went and saw this. uh, It is limited release at a – there's an art house theater here in Los Angeles called The New Art. Um, And what's great about The New Art is – Things that play there tend to not be playing anywhere else. It's like super limited release for foreign films and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and I was really dying to see this. So the, the weekend it opened, I went, drove away the hell across town to the new art and realized something about myself. And I think I might have told one of you about this. But I, I am a, so the new art is a normal theater. It's not any fancy new theater. It's an old theater. It's a, I'm sure it was, you know, some renovated thing. And Los Angeles has a few of those. I have not had to sit and watch a movie like this in literally years, and I forgot what it's like, and I'm never going to do it again. The first time I saw Victoria, it was that situation where you're sitting down, and you're constantly having to shift left and right to look around whoever's head is in front of you. (laughs) Oh, no. I know. Who can do that anymore? I remember the seats suck. They're really hard. And yeah, they're not great seats, but I I don't, I will far more than stadium seating. I don't really care if the seats are comfortable. That's not what I'm into. It's just, I not having to see anybody's head in front of me. Well, Uh, how many people were, I mean, you could have sat anywhere, right? No, no, Victoria, when they have a limited release like that, it's, it's pretty full. Like it was a, it was like a, was he just a really tall dude who would have, no, no, that's, no, that's the thing It's a normal dude. And I'm sure the guy behind me, as I would shift to see around the guy in front of me, the guy behind me was like, Oh God, as a matter of fact, come to think of it. That's why the guy in front of me kept shifting his head, I bet, to see around the guy in front of him. Oh, it's like a Domino's thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So the guy behind you was going, fucking Tom Chick. Well, he, I don't think he knew my name, but uh, he was thinking that about me the same way I was thinking about that. Whoever. And you know what? I actually didn't mind the guy in front of me. It was just the layout of the theater. And if you guys remember, that's what movies, like 90% of the time, that's what it was like going to a movie. And boy, I, I, I don't miss that at all. I know Zebone was sitting behind you. <laughs> did, you have, did you have any, anything to say about uh, about the? He's super short, by the way, too, because you <laughs> ride skateboards, which shortens you. Man, that must have really pissed that guy it's off. A medical for it. Yeah, I think that has a well, lot that's... to do with his reactions to me. I'm sorry you had a poor viewing experience. I guess the listeners agree that's a really sad story, very first world problem. But yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, Kelly Wan, it's it's in a movie with subtitles where you have to read stuff at the bottom of the screen. It's all the the more of an annoyance, you see. Oh, yeah. Well, you, but the subtitles are German, right? Mm, but they're – yeah, they're, they're English huh? uh, of German. They're subtitles of German words for the right. most part. Although she oh. did speak Spanish a couple times and we didn't get subtitles. But you know what? Really? Let's, um, let's, let's, yeah. let's yeah. delay that conversation. Kelly Wan <laughs> – before That'll we talk be about this week's movie, Delaying why don't you subject <laughs> Dingus and I to a battle of wits to see which one of us is smarter? That sounds like another kind of delay, but I uh, I accept your bluff. <laughs> not the saying, it's not the idiom, but go ahead. Uh, it's four-fifths idiom. All right, here's your hint. So you're going to read us a synopsis from IMDb, Dingus and I, whichever one of us guesses the movie first, wins this week. Yeah. Um, I tried to play to Dingus' zone a little more, but it's very tight. 
Well, so. it doesn't matter. You're just better at you're. It's there's too many things he hasn't seen. So I tried my best, Angus. Right. He doesn't sound like he cares, and that's kind of another issue. But <laughs> if, if only is, you could see what I've seen with your eyes, Kelly. <laughs> this is the movie that made me want to become a crime lord. That's your hint, right? So let's get your brains lubed up thinking about that phrase. Right. Here we go. My blue head. This is called. Uh, this is called the IMDb this. game. Oh, sorry. Steve Martin one. Yeah. Deborah Winger. Analyze this. <laughs> I didn't actually start reading the thing yet. <laughs> E.T. You thought I was reading when I went Deborah Winger? Yeah, E.T., that's my guess. And it made you want to be a crime lord. It did, but it's not <laughs> the movie that made me want to be a crime lord. All right, what do you got for us? It was the photo novel. Here's this one. Frozen in 1996. Encino Man. Oh, wait, okay, 96. Sorry, I didn't listen to the date. Carry on. Uh, if you guessed, you're eliminated. Oh, I forgot to mention that one. Encino Man. Frozen in 1996. Tom's guess based on that is Encino Man. <laughs> I is didn't hear the date. Is it Demolition Man? It was made in 1988 or something, too. Oh. It's Tom's making... <clears throat> Simon Phoenix, a convicted crime lord, is revived for a parole hearing well into the 21st century. Uh, it, 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 velocity. Not Demolition Man? Ah, Dingus wins it! Stupid Tom. I knew you said Demolition Man. Yeah, yeah that's, he doesn't win it if, he has to, if you tell him he's wrong the first time. You have to give him a different answer now. Oh. <laughs> I like this time. So it was Wait, it was Demolition Man. It was the Sandra Bullock Taco Bell movie. Yeah, it takes place in San Angeles. Wait, Dingus said that. I'm sorry. I missed yeah, when it. you said Frozen in 19 after Tom made his Encino Man joke. I'm sorry, Encino Man distracted me. Encino Man was an actual. It was an earnest it's guess because belief. Brendan Fraser gets doesn't he get frozen in Encino Man? They both have man in the yeah, title yeah. too. So yeah. Tom was on it. Tom was half right. I'm not good with dates anyway, so. <laughs> All right, so Dingus won this week. Great. You thought uh, Virtuosity was called Velocity, too. I knew that's that's the th- I, I had to fumble my way towards it. I was going to hit it eventually. I just began with like, the V. I started saying words. I was you gonna- just start streaming r- random things. So I, that's why it's better to find a Dingus movie. And Although then I can't hear Dingus. <laughs> well, that's part of the strategy. Exactly. Yeah. Then he, he says Demolition Man. You don't hear him. So, yeah, I, I almost... Of the IMDb game. Almost succeeded. Yeah. Dingus is the Ted Cruz. Ouch. I, would, I would like you to know that I said that before you said the name Simon Phoenix. Hey, the future's boycotting uh, the IMDb game because uh, there's no... There weren't enough futuristic movies played. I don't know. Well, yeah, that was, I thought you were going to bring that around to like a, a, a Megyn Kelly, Donald Trump thing, and you just that went nowhere, Kelly Wand. Wow. Yeah, but it went nowhere quickly. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Speaking of going somewhere quickly, Kelly Wand, or no, Dingus, I'm sorry. Dingus, why don't you tell the listeners what movie? We'll get, Kelly Wand, we'll get you in here in a second. Dingus, what movie did we All see right. this week? All right, well, this week we saw Victoria, a 2015 German crime drama thriller romance list movie about what you do for a guy who prefers cacao over coffee. It was written and directed by Sebastian Schipper, 
who developed the story with Olivia Niergaard Holm and Eike Frederick Schulz. It stars Lea Costa, Frederick Lau, Franz Rogowski, Barack Yigit, and Max Mauf. Nice work. Hmm. Victoria does not have an MPA rating, but I think oh. we can safely assume it's equivalent to an R for smoking, drug use, language throughout, and brief out-of-focus nudity. Mm, you can see Boxer's butt pretty clearly, as far as I'm concerned. It's actually not Boxer's butt. No, I, I know. Yeah, right, no, Boxer's butt is totally in focus, is what I'm saying. Ah. There's in-focus nudity. Tom was studying it closely. Uh, no, it's called about. out. There's, it's called out. You see the top half of Boxer's butt, and there's even a line. Boxer, I can see your butt. Yeah, I know, but I'm talking about Blinker's butt. Oh, all right. That one might not have been in focus. Where he, said, where he tells Boxer, I dropped the soap. Oh, you know what? You also see uh, Fuss's butt in the distance uh, when you first meet them. He he moons them from across the street. Oh yeah, and you see also see a little bit of dong. Uh, is that one of the characters? It's cold out. All right, so let's see. Uh, Victoria, uh, wait. Oh yes, Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, you come in. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, Kelly Wand. If the MPAA had given it a rating, is there anything you think that you needed to remind them of that they might have missed? Some nicknames, one extended sequence, <laughs> and nightclub dress code breaking. Very good. Mm. Uh, Victoria on Metacritic, which is the average from various reviews, the average rating, is at 77, hmm. which is just four points below Force Awakens, but five yes. points above Straight Out of Compton. Out of... Uh, oh, excuse me, Auda. Yeah, mispronounced that. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews of Victoria that are positive, 82%, which is two points above Kung Fu Panda 3, but only one point below The Revenant. Wait, which Kung Fu Panda? 3, the third one. It just opened. It's uh, the number one movie in America, Kelly Wan, this weekend. Yeah. That story seemed told before the first one. What, Kung Fu Panda? Yeah, I just did some surprises. I wouldn't know the first thing about... Dingus, How do you know... Ice Ages are there? Oh, gosh, six? Were you going to ask Dingus a Kung Fu Panda question? Yeah, I was going to ask Dingus how much he knew about... Because I'm guessing Dingus and I know pretty much exactly the same amount of information I about saw the Kung first Panda. one, and I like it, actually. <sighs> wow. There's a pretty break. That's oh, that, good. That's on you, Kelly Wand. Huh. Uh, all right, well, forget... Forget Kung Fu Panda three <laughs> and two and one. No one cares. Those are for those are for children, Kelly Wand. Uh, Kelly Wand, your job now. Like SpongeBob. I would like you to give us a synopsis of Victoria, hmm. and because of the way the movie is shot, I would like you to do it all in one breath. Uh, I did that with Silent House, and I was gonna do it with Victoria, but it was um, too much hassle to right. not type periods. It's a lot of work. All right. Well, all right. I'll try. You're no, Kelly Wand. I just want to say you're no Sebastian Shipper. Well, okay. I'll do it then. <laughs> Since you made a good point that I'm not him, I refuse to accept that. I am that same person's DNA. So I will do what you dared me to do. You're going to do the synopsis all in one breath. Oh, one breath. What did you I think thought I said? One, I thought you just said one sentence. So you think the word sentence and breath are this? Like you hear someone sometimes will say. I was trying to listen to Dingus. <laughs> I'm listening man again. I didn't want to get in trouble. I can only one of you at a time. <clears throat> Whoever's in the background. 
All right. Well, you're, you're allowed to use as many sentences as you like, and you're allowed to take breaths. Uh, however you think is best to proceed, give us a synopsis of I would have just made it shorter if it, you're going to do the one breath dare. I, I officially uh, rescind that dare. Retracted it. Yeah, I'm trying to. For my, uh, for my safety or because you're... For your health. I don't want you to black out on us. Thomas promised the listeners a jump cut version in case it doesn't work. It's an actual thing, Kelly Wand. Right. I know that. I got that joke. Not a joke. His actual <laughs> shipper actually made a cut. Like he he uh, he was willing to make a, a version with edits. Yeah, but Dingus was making a joke about it, wasn't he? Well, in a lame sort of way. Speaking of which, Victoriopsis. <laughs> A girl, I forget her name, exists in Germany or Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Czechoslovakia. A girl, I forget her name, exists in Germany or Czechoslovakia. By the way, not a country anymore, but yeah. keep going. No. What? It's there were East and West Germany and now to one country. <laughs> I look over at Michael Haneke sitting beside me and go, What's the difference at this point, huh? <laughs> I think she's either Mexican or Naomi Rapace, but like members of both groups, she came to the New World to work at Denny's, or as the German version's known, Das Danny spielen sie Klarhammer? In her spare time, though, she does like the rest of us and dances and drinks and robs banks. I look over at Klaus Kinski and go, the past was a different time. He gives me a look that strikes me as somewhat off-topic, so I shush him. The girl goes to a street and meets four men with names. One's named after the sun, since he's brunette. The other three are named after a cardboard box, a foot, and a turn signal. They invite her to come look at a different street. Although it's only a block away, they decide they better get supplies for this journey. They go into a liquor store, find some liquor in it, then trick the proprietors by walking outside with it. I lean over to Princess Admiral Leah and exclaim, Once I've saved enough to buy my own liquor store, I know how I'm shutting that shoplifting shit down. No exits. She cups her hand next to where her lips used to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would have been my advice to the Death Star when they captured me. We got out super easy. They solved the exit problem with the Death Star 2, but then forgot it again with the Death Star XL. I keep telling Admiral Akbar we should just make our own Death Star since I got so used to the cell and the interrogation droid, but he says they're just too easy to blow up. He calls them the SUVs of the Star Wars universe. She's still going when I return my attention to the movie. The girl character and a new guy friends eventually find a building with a roof on it. They use its surface to drink and smoke weed. A little Teutonic breakfast club happens. Cardboard Box, the Estevez of the group, announces he did jail time for hurting someone. They all toast him. But much like our actual solar system, Sun's the cute one. Sun offers to go with the girl character to open up Denny's, even though the rest are all, Bro, don't forget in ten minutes we have that bank robbery. When they get to her flat, she invites him up for a cup of what she calls cuckoo. He's all, hey, look, a piano, and trips over it, knocking out a tooth and breaking his nose. She's all, not to show you why I got kicked out of music school. 
accent is that? She's Spanish. <laughs> I'm Spanish. 98% Spanish, Tom. So that accent's legit. Now to show you why I got kicked out of music school. <laughs> she sounds like Toshiro Mufuni. <laughs> now to show you why I got kicked out of music school. Is that legal? Sounds like a pneumoidian. She plays the entire works of Beethoven. Son makes sheepish face number 12. Somehow the other three jokers figure out where she lives and now suddenly bust in going, okay, that's enough piano for one night. Come on, son. She follows them down and watches from her porch as they pile into a car and drive off, screaming and cheering before making a hairpin left and burning rubber out of sight. Foots all, being guys rules! Just as she's about to go inside, they pull up in front of her again from the other direction. Boxes all, girl character, one of us is asleep, so we need you to drive us to bank robbery. We think it's foot. Son, Dracula is in this movie. <laughs> He's Romanian, right? Sons all on the upside. It's far from here, so you'll be hearing a lot more jail stories from my friends en route. Look, stop smothering me, all right? She's all okay. They drive to a bank, park outside it. The jail guys all actually. Uh, we go to a garage first. Kelly got confused. Smoking weed is strange trade-off. <laughs> The girl characterizes with annoyance, looks for a garage, parks in one, then gets out at the sight of guys with guns. She's all, this looks like a good place to park. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> in one breath, it probably would have worked, actually. Then gets out. One of the men says something like, hey, that sleeping guy in your car owes my jail a bank robbery or it's breakfast. I lean over to my translator and whisper, what language was that? She's all English. I'm all, oh, what language is this? Leah leans over to me and goes, in the Star Wars universe, English is called Galactic Standard. It has a different alphabet. <laughs> my translator looks over at me and goes, what language was that? Meanwhile, back in the untitled movie, the Berlin Garage residents give their bank robbers strong drugs to make sure nothing dumb happens. The girl character volunteers to stall out the car engine in front of the bank. The robbery goes perfectly and that everybody gets shot. To celebrate their victory over authority figures, they go get thrown out of a nightclub. <laughs> two of the characters strip naked there to spice things up, but it's not the two members of the group that I or anyone in the club would have picked, so they get tossed. <laughs> <laughs> they go back outside to find German cops literally crawling all over the car, measuring the guy inside using that shoe store foot measuring device and exchanging grave nods before snapping cuffs on the uh, device. The girl character's all, fuck, there goes that car, great! <laughs> now we have to walk to the next bank robbery! Sun's <laughs> all. Foot died as he lived, on his feet. Not literally dead or on his feet, but uh, 30 feet away, Foot suddenly wakes up, pushes aside the cops, and looks over at them. He's all, hey guys, I'm not dead. Suddenly has a heart attack and dies. The cops all point at the girl and son and the two naked men. They're all, Foot, this Foot, Foot, dead. <laughs> <laughs> this Foot guy has friends. Let's get him. They all stand there thoughtfully. 
The girl's friends trick the cops by running away, but the cops counter-trick by shooting them. The girl and son run to a building with a baby in it. The parents standing <laughs> over the look at her. Son picks up the baby and they start to leave. The mom's all, wait, what's happening? The dad's all, honey, it's fine. Leah walks on screen going, shh, I know how you feel child-losing wives, believe me. <laughs> Do you know who Kylo Ren is? <laughs> Leah looks out at me in the audience and waves excitedly. The cops let the girl and son through the cordon since they obviously didn't rob a bank. They only kidnapped a baby. They find a hotel that doesn't allow babies inside, so they leave it on the porch. On their way up in the elevator, son's all, I think I'm dying from this gunshot wound. Is this the hospital? Thank God. She gets him into a room and slides him onto the bed. He's all, wait, what's happening? Never mind. Just tell Foot I said he dies. The girl is saddened. I realize that her sudden ensuing outbreak of saliva issues is mostly grief-related, but I'm still interested. She gets up, takes the money, and walks off down the street to go open Denny's and think about all she's learned about the German justice system. A newspaper headlines all, Waitress spotted at multiple crime scenes declared tasty. Princess Leah arrested for bank robbery and kidnapping. The end. Thank you, Kelly Wand and Princess Leia. It's always nice yeah. to have her showing she up. She just keeps following me around. It's really sweet. She is newly relevant after Force Awakens. I do appreciate that, Kelly Wand. Well, it's all her. Uh, all right, who wants to go first? You guys know I, I'm totally into this thing. I'm too, right? Uh, yeah, it was my second favorite movie of last year. Um, so the script was 12 pages long, I read, and they did three takes of everything. And I forget which one they used, but I think it was number two. Oh, I didn't realize that. At the end of Time Code, which is a similar conceit, it's a Mike, Mike Figgis movie, all one take, four different cameras, and the screen is split in quarters. Uh, at the end of Time Code, there's a title card. It says something like, uh, you know, time code. I think it was more than three. Like time code, we we did five takes before we got it right, and this was the fifth take you just saw. Uh, did you say that in the movie? Yeah, yeah. It's a title card after the, the end of the movie. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well, time time code is very self aware in terms of being about like Hollywood uh, and, right. and movie making, and um, yeah. So. I guess it's fine then. But here, yeah, I don't know. I, I saw that too on IMDb. Is that they did three takes? I'm assuming it took three to get it right, uh, and that this was the third one. Yeah, right. So the and, middle one's always best. No, I think this is the last one. I don't think it was the middle one. I don't know where you get uh, that. Where are you getting that? Faulty memory. Oh, okay. But no, because so the third one is always best. As you, <laughs> you might very well be right. I don't know. But as you watch it, you do notice. I mean, one of the things that uh, struck me about watching this, um, because it is. It, it is a little bit distracting to me to be watching it, knowing that, which is why I, I watched. I guess I watched it about one and a half times. Um, you were distracted watching Victoria. I'm di- I was distracted by the tech, the technical feat of it because I think it's really oh. quite an achievement. I mean, it's it's this wonderful amalgam um, between like uh, a, a play that takes place in a single act, basically, um, and, and the requirements of that, but with multiple. Um, locations and I mean far more um, obstacles that they have to overcome. So uh, you mean from the point of view of watching a, a movie being made, it's uh, it's 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 a fascinating thing, and That's especially watching too. the the way that the light is changing is is because I think I think they shot it from 4:30 in the morning till 7 a.m. Um, and you watch basically you're watching the sun come up as as this is happening at the end of their evening. 
So watching the way that the lighting works in this and wondering how they pulled it off, I mean, that's just fascinating to me. It's a fascinating technical achievement. Um, this definitely would have made my list, and I thought I would be distracted by the technical feat of it while I was watching it, which I kind of felt like I was during The Revenant, but it's still I still really liked The Revenant. But in this, I really thought that kind of they did feel like different characters. For, for me, it was kind of like watching a black and white movie, where at first you're like, oh, God, it's black and white. And then about 30, 30 minutes into <laughs> it or whatever, in, yeah. you forget it's black and white, and when you remember it, it's it's color in your memory. Like, it doesn't, that doesn't stand. Yeah, I forgot the gimmick. So, yeah, I did. I mean, I didn't forget it necessarily, but, but the same way as you get used to reading subtitles, I definitely sunk into it, and it stopped being, like, front and center for me. Uh, it kind of fell into the, the tableau of storytelling, if you, if you will. But I understand what Ding is saying. I mean, at first, when you're watching yeah. it, and I unfortunately, the two things I knew about this going in, and the reason I wanted to see it is it was getting a lot of talk after a film festival, uh, and it was described in, in a little blurb I read as a one-take crime thriller. <laughs> so I kind of mm. knew two things going in Spoiler. that I, I would have loved to have not known. Um, right, and I didn't know that either. I mean, I, I had no idea as I was watching it that it was that. It took me about 30 minutes to get to really get into it because the the opening club stuff kind of kind of reminded me of the beginning of Enter the Void a little bit and kind of turned me off a little bit from that point. You mean Irreversible? No, I mean Enter the Void. Just Enter the, the Void way, opens in a club. I didn't. Really, I don't. It doesn't open in a void. I mean, it doesn't open in a club, but it has that. I don't know for 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 some reason the the way that that movie opens, and you know that that weird blinking thing that's going on, and the the music which felt overwhelming. Um, those club scenes kind of, I don't know, can... <laughs> well, I, I asked Dingus because Irreversible does start in a club. It is uh, all one shot. It does have the, the throbbing music, and it is super aggressive with the flashing lights. Um, the, the, if you were, like, the opening of Irreversible and the opening of Victoria are almost identical. Oh, okay. Um, all right. And, and that, for me, by the way, led to... It, maybe it was knowing it was a crime thriller. I had this enormous sense of dread like for the longest time watching this, and I don't know if it was just because it was so, so reminiscent of, of Irreversible's opening. Well, I had a sense of dread just because I was worried about her being in danger with yeah. these guys, um, more from the point of view of what what they have in mind for her when they're going up to the roof and whether whether Sona is – or Zona, however he says his name, um, is really – uh, being nice or pretending to be a nice guy, and um, there's and it's not until they they get to the roof and they sort of establish their relationships and she does that weird thing on the edge of the roof, and he shows real concern for her uh, that I started to feel a little more comfortable, uh, and then we go and then I mean the movie takes a long time to establish their relationships and in fact uh, one of our listeners Aaron Vaughn says hey, like like he he uh, equates this to Bone Tomahawk and in, in that. A movie movie should understand how you 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 should trust your audience to sit with the characters and understand their relationships uh, before it gets going. For me, that was the the equation I made for it as I was watching it. Tom was that it reminded me of the way Wolf Creek made me feel um, sure. yeah. because of because of how long it took to establish its characters. But then it it takes this weird turn that I did not know it was going to do, and I guess it plants the seeds earlier. Second time through, you can see how it's planting the seeds, that that there's a different kind of danger coming along because of what Boxer's going through, and what he's su- suggesting when they leave the roof. You know, we have to do something pretty soon here. Uh, but but when they got to the piano, I thought, oh, we're in, we're in a, you know, we're in a, 
we're in a before sunrise kind of a movie here, and we're going to keep going along this route. And one of the things that is weird about it, um, because it's because you know it's going to be one take, or you get that feel that it's going to be one take, uh, there's not a, a sense that the, the, the stories are ever going to branch. They're always going to come back to one group being together. We're not going to go off to the roof to see what the guys are doing or go off to see what the guys are doing over here. You know she's going to be swept up in this. There's no choice but for that to happen. The uh, the, the the bit where I kind of let go of this idea that, oh, wait, these guys are going to do something terrible for her. Uh, and at first I had reservations about this, but every now and then, I think maybe four separate times, the sound fades out and Sebastian Shipper brings up uh, a sort of a very light, unobtrusive – well, it's obtrusive in the sense that you haven't heard it before, but he brings up a light um, uh, soundtrack. I mean, the music plays. Uh, and the first time is after – as they're on their way down the street towards the roof and she is on the bicycle with him. And mm-hmm. they get going forward. And I think part of the idea was, well, the camera can't quite keep up with them. Later on, they put the camera on something that wheels along the street when they're riding the bike when they leave the roof. But on the way to the roof, they pull out ahead of the other group. They're riding along farther from the camera. The dialogue fades out, and this very sweet, light, uh, almost kind of wistful music plays. Um, And music a lot of times, and I know this drives some of us crazy, certainly me, Dingus, you bring it up a lot. Uh, When music tells you how to feel, you can... It can be very heavy-handed about that, uh, and I, I wasn't sure how I felt about the music, but at this point, this light little application of music is basically telling you it's okay. You know, There's nothing ominous coming up. Um, trust me on that. I mean, that was kind of the feeling I got from the fact that Shipper let the dialogue fade out, and he just let this music play. Uh, and it, it gets this sense that and Dingus, you used the word swept away. She is getting swept up with these guys, with these, these four friends. Um, she is being almost literally swept down the street by them. Uh, and the second time I saw it, I noticed the exact same music plays during the shootout sequence. Yeah. When things are not okay, when she's getting swept away at a very different level and being pulled into – I mean she's about to kidnap someone. Uh, Boxer and Blinker, one of them's about to die. The other one's going to get shot and go to the hospital. Uh like it's a, it's a very different kind of being swept away, and it's that same exact music that plays early on, uh, which was an odd contrast, I thought. Well, the person I saw. Go ahead, Kelly. I'm just gonna say the person I saw this with afterwards. She just goes, "That was okay. so Berlin," and I thought, "Oh, so it's like a sense of place kind of thing." That would be Princess Leia who said that, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of the, the the first elevator ride, the elevator ride up? I mean, second elevator ride down is one of my favorite scenes. But the elevator ride up where the music is, he just turns the music up and you hear none of the dialogue. Yeah, that's that's still part of that. That's, that's, that is what's kicked in. Uh, it's been doing that ever since they pulled forward on the bicycle. Right. Um, but yeah, you remind I, me of the uh, elevator drowns, scene from Drive. Kinda. It drowns everything else out. And I wondered, part of me wondered... You know, what is this going? What is he doing thematically? And another part of me, the more cynical part of me, wondered: Did they just drop a lot of dialogue and decide to make a stylistic choice to cover that? Oh, it was like Drive. It was just sort of like a moment suspended in time. And it also felt to me like at this point, the specifics of what were being said wasn't important. Um, you know, we're about to get to some very important information and character development on the roof. Uh, 
they've spent the previous bits on the street basically charming her. Uh, it's kind of adorable how Boxer's like a monkey doing that flip, trying to impress her. Uh, and and I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there was some technical reason that they played the music, but I just got the sense that, okay, at this point, you've seen what you need to see. You don't really, you've heard what you need to hear. You don't really need to hear any of the specific dialogue. So we're just going to instead create a feeling, a visual from this yeah. with a musical feeling. Uh, and, and she is so fascinating to watch. I didn't mind it. Yeah. Actually, all of them are. I didn't mind any time where you couldn't hear them or you know a couple of times when she says something in spanish and you don't get a subtitle for it i was just happy to look at her i mean that actress is absolutely amazing um, yeah she's she's really she is excellent and but I, i'm also pretty crazy about zana uh, which i'll talk about in a minute but i want to talk say a couple more things about the music because i'm really confused as to why it didn't resonate with me um I mean, I'm talking about separate from the Mephisto Waltz sequence. Uh, the the score music, uh, it, which is weird because we have a, a couple of listeners who l- absolutely love the music. I mean, I, I think they feel much the way you do, Tom. Um, and uh, for me, the, there was that scene in the elevator, which I couldn't quite grasp why he made that choice. And then a later scene in the van where the music just felt a little overwhelming to me. Um, whereas, like, Dave Perkins thinks that this is the best soundtrack of the year or Revenant is. And Chris Markinson also thinks that this, it's incredible how this music is used. And I think that he's kind of making the same point you're making to, um, to cover for some ambient noise that they can't mm. cover for otherwise. Uh, I may be saying that the wrong way, but uh, I don't know. I can't quite place why the, I mean, there is that one moment in the later, in the, in the, in the final club scene where the club music cuts out and then the music starts. Yeah, yeah. And you have that whole center section, which I, I really like that choice, but I still can't quite get on board with the score, and I don't know why. I, I can't quite place it. Okay. Well, the elevator ride up, I just took it as it's that part of the day where you're kind of hearing music in your head. You're not really hearing the other person because you're kind of buzzing from them. Well, she's not with Zona at that point. She's with Fuss and uh, Blinker, and they're presumably just doing small talk, but... They're doing it loudly, whereas they're never they're never loud in the uh, in the building otherwise. So I was just confused by that choice, and I wanted to hear what you guys had to say about it. Yeah, and Kelly, one, it does start. Yeah, it, it does start though. Uh, I think it's when she's with Zona, uh, and it does play through as they ride the bike up. They, he puts the bike off to the side. He goes up the stairs. Uh, Blinker and Fus, I get get in, go in the elevator with her. Um, uh, yeah, and I think I missed that, Tom. I think I missed that it starts earlier because for me, the the image I have in my head is of 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 him like getting ready to hit the button on the elevator and and the music kind of taking over the elevator for me. Yeah, no, it's been there for a while. Though. Okay, all right, then I missed that. Um, she is really pretty. You're right, Tom. She is. She has an incredible star quality, and it's, I mean, it's not just that she's pretty. I mean, she looks. I don't know. I mean, I. I don't she's really just fascinating. This. She's fascinating to watch. Yeah, I don't really know this actress, but I hear people talk about her a lot, and I wonder if this is maybe what they think. But she's got what I m- might imagine people thought of as an Audrey Hepburn quality. Uh, but she's so 100... Willowy? Pardon? Willowy? I, I don't know. Willowy Grace? I mean, and not even necessarily Grace. I mean, she's very halting at times. I mean, part of, part of the, the charm of – I find a lot of improv movies annoying because <laughs> generally the actors aren't up to it. It feels like improv. Here, in addition to I do think the actors were up to it. Uh, a, a crucial ingredient here is that they speak different languages. 
And this this haltingness that you get in improv served them so well as they're as as they listen intently to each other to hear you you know, there's so much in English which is neither their native tongues, uh when Sona speaks to his friends in German, um she can't quite tell what they're saying. Uh, so, so much of their interaction is people speaking different languages to each other that one or the other of them might not understand. Uh, and I, I love that element of it. And so there's a, you know, willowy, sure, grace, sure. But there is a, a clumsiness to their interactions that I imagine an old-time movie star like Audrey Hepburn wouldn't have. Um, so that's what I say. She's got this amazing star quality to her. But it's 120% naturalistic, like the performance, the stuttering style of the delivery that they have. She's constantly like pulling her sweater sleeve over her fists or gnawing at a finger. Um, just for, for so much star quality, it just felt like so real. It was this weird combination of that ethereal star quality and charisma. And there were times the camera's just on her, and she's just like thinking – you know, when she when they leave and she's just like they're brushing her teeth on the counter, I, I, I could watch I could watch another ninety minutes of that. I mean, she's just amazing, and not just because she's pretty. Uh, so she's got this star quality and this naturalistic, very human quality to her. Uh, and and Dingus, you, I, Frederick Lau, that guy is such a goofball, but also I totally see his appeal. Um, he's got this great. I would describe it as a. Um, slab-faced intensity that reminded me of Elias Codius a couple of times. Uh, and especially uh, after they've left the gangster's garage and he's just looking at Boxer. That uh, scene in the alley, that that look you're talking about? Yep. Oh my God. Yeah, I don't know about slab-faced intensity. That's a funny uh, funny thing. I'm sorry I cut you off, but go ahead. No, no, because that, 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 again, that's that intensity. Is He's a total goofball uh, and, you know, when he's making jokes and when he when he's studying, like when they walk into the cafe and he accidentally says, oh, this is a nice hotel. Uh, I mean, cafe. <laughs> like when he's screwing up the words he's trying to use, uh, the way he gets this weird uh, kind of like blissful look on his face when she's playing the, the piano. Um, and, yeah, the intensity of the way he's looking at Boxer, just angry about what Boxer has gotten not him into, but but Victoria into. Uh, so that guy as well. I just I loved the two of them. It's the sort of thing where I you know I, I want to see other movies they're in. I want to keep an eye on what other things they do. I I would love to think that this will give them both amazing careers. Uh, I would love that too. I, I mean I'm I'm so impressed, and I'm glad you brought up like that the difficulty that uh, you can have with that halting sort of thing that happens with improv, and how that can be a hindrance in a movie like this. And I didn't think about the language being a factor that would help mask that. I just thought about the way they were using German to uh, hide things from her when they felt like it and switching to English when they didn't want to do that. But you're right, that really works. But they all, and I don't know what the rehearsal process for this was, but they all handled all of these things so well. There are a couple of little like flubs that happen that you don't notice because they they just keep working through because they're I don't know if they're super experienced or he worked with them really hard. I mean, there's that moment in the alley where um, Zona reaches for, you know, he finally gets Boxer to actually look at him 
And he takes Boxer's cigarette and drops oh it. Oh, my God. That was like, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and he's annoyed with himself, too. It's like, yeah, yeah I loved that. And nobody laughs or anything. They're just like, yeah, that happens. And, and there's this cute little moment. <laughs> I would, if it hadn't happened to me, Dingus, I would have gone, Boxer, I've dropped my cigarette. <laughs> but he just reaches down, picks it up, and he, I mean, they're obviously all nervous. There's a panic attack going on. I mean, there's so many things going on at the scene that they just roll with it. There's, there's another lovely little moment. Uh, right after she finishes playing at the piano, and I love the fact that the camera is on his face that whole time. Um, it was really just such a revelation for what's happening, and the way he expresses himself afterward with the, just this 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 uh, this gesture where he points at his chest and he just opens up and he, it was just he can't express what has happened. But as he's about to talk to her, as she's revealed about the conservatory, he says, "Oh, you have something on your face," and he reaches up and picks it off of her face. And you have to think that, yeah, she might have had a little toothpaste on there or something. I mean, I mean that's afterward, but she might have had like a little piece of food or a little schmutz. Yeah. And he reaches over to her face to, to get it off. I think it's just the actor being nice. Yeah. Schmutz is a real German word, by the way. And it means, it means exactly what it – we're using it correctly. Okay, good. So, Kelly, you don't live in Berlin. You live in Hamburg. Uh, was there anything in here that you saw that you were like, oh, yeah, Germany? <laughs> um, all of it, really. But the the four a.m. thing, I haven't noticed to be true. Like that's kind of like that at starting at nine. Um, but I haven't. I don't know. I it's um, like she was kind of a different kind of character from me. So she was getting a side of the nightlife that I didn't, haven't really seen much of. You're not. But I hear about it. You're not in clubs at 4 a.m. usually, I imagine. <laughs> when I go to the Reaper Bond, all that kind of happens, but you don't remember it the next day. I see. Because you just wake up in an alley and you've been rolled. Um, uh, Kelly, you've you've been on record as saying you like movies that take place all in one day, yeah, all in one night. I imagine this was a big appeal to you for, for that reason. Well, and I like movies where everybody dies, which doesn't entirely happen, but it still feels like it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very much, um, you know, I mentioned at first this sense of dread. Uh, for me, and a, a large part of what I love about this movie is the emotional roller coaster of tension and release. You know, build the tension, release, build the tension, release. Uh, yeah. And there are moments of absolute elation, such as after they get away with the, the robbery and they're back in the club, and you think, oh, this is going to end where it began. This is going to have a happy ending. Right. Uh, and. And then just the utter dread as it turns out, oh, fuck, it's not going to have a happy ending. Um, yeah, so you must have liked that, yeah. I did like it, and you're not sure if it's where it's going. Um, but I had I had that same thing Dingus did, like just the thrill of seeing things go wrong. Because I remember when I wrote my play, that was always the most exciting aspect of it, was like seeing what people would do on stage when things went awry it's like the cigarette thing but then it made me wonder yeah and just like the crowd control aspects of it like they go to fucking clubs and there's cops like it just it's there's a baby on set too waiting for that his one shot unless it's a uh bradley cooper one that guy passes him on the street and says you can't ride that on the pavement i mean (laughs) yeah yeah exactly right yeah yeah, was that a guy wait? Was that an, a guy with one line waiting for his scene? Like, was he there the whole time? Yeah, uh, I suspect, and I could be wrong about this. Uh, watching the second time, like you were, they never do a thing, and this is what I love, where you know the camera goes behind a post, and you realize, oh, that's where they cut the shot. Right, uh, right, right. Um, but I did wonder if they swapped out the baby for a fake baby at one point. 
because when would they have done it? The baby's on screen. When, when they put it down off screen, like when they when they've got the when they've got it bundled up in the in the carrier and they're walking out. Oh. And it's below the shot. I think, I, baby switch. I think at one point there might have been a baby switch. Uh, I could be wrong. Wait, why at that point though? Because then they're just, well, just carrying- because if they carried the baby and it started crying, like a baby can be unpredictable. You can't tell the baby, okay, you're you're don't cry. There's dialogue. <laughs> Your scene's going to come up in about two hours. <laughs> right, right. And but again, I could be wrong about that, but it's notable that you don't. I don't think you see the actual baby when he carries it into the uh, the drugstore. Um, I could be wrong about that. I don't know. Uh, boy, I, I am so I, I have to I hate to say this because this is something that happens to me a lot of times when I'm watching movies. Um, but I, I loved these characters until the moment they took the baby and then I couldn't wait for them to get killed fast enough. Well, that's, um, I mean, that's a part of that's a huge boy. part of the character. I mean, she yeah, it's, that's totally that she becomes yeah. a person who will kidnap a baby. Um I know, and you know, one one of our listeners, Chris, said this too. I mean, I just I lost all sympathy for her, and it it's weird because you're watching her through this movie, and you're thinking, um, how is it that she falls in with this group? But then she has that moment on the roof where she's up at the edge, and that moment of sadness when she's brushing her teeth because they've left. This is this is where she wants her life to go. I mean, this is there's this great line she has in the van where where they're thinking about dropping her off and. And she's already offered to go with Boxer alone to do the job. And she says, it's okay, I don't care. Her line is, I don't care. And then taking the baby, I was just like, God, I've loved the two of you up until this point. You're going to take a baby? Really? Oh, man. Well, they are on the drug, though. Like, maybe she won't oh, do that. Yeah, I know they're still on the Tilladin cocaine thing. I mean, I understand that that's part of what's going on. And certainly, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's part of what's going on. I mean, I, that's part of what's going on, but I think the character uh, – the, the reason she's done this, and I think this is developed, and this is this is a, a huge part of w- what's going on in the movie, is you find out, like the reveal about her, is that she spent her life, all of her life, in a conservatory, oh, spending yeah, yeah. seven hours a day, because that's the right. limit that you can practice before you take an injury. All of the people that she's considered her friends are rivals, and she's secretly wanted them to fail. Uh, she has only been here for three months. You get the idea that it was three months ago that she was finally told – you're not good enough. Goodbye. So oh. she comes to Berlin because she said 16 and a half years. I don't know how old the character is supposed to be, but you know, a child doesn't have big enough fingers to actually play piano like that until they're I don't know how old. But so well, we've got a, we've got a friend who has a six year old who plays piano uh, and is and is learning at this point. So you can imagine her starting at five. But I don't, yeah, is he at a conservatory? Like is he practicing? No, no, no. But he's, his fingers are no. He's not practicing. Right. But she says she's for, for sixteen and a half years. She's practiced seven hours a day. Right. So just since she's been old enough to to actually be playing for real, not chopsticks or whatnot. But uh, so so she's a character who not only hasn't had a connection with people. But as she says, you know, when she was twelve years old, lady, twelve years old, she felt like an old lady. Uh, oh, yeah. She she is just craving experiences and and some kind of thrill. That's the whole point of her being at the precipice of the roof. Uh, you know, this this is a character who's just desperate to belong, to connect with anyone. And that is, by the way, the point you see this in the first line she has. I love this moment. And I, I mentioned it when I was talking about why this is my second favorite movie of the year. She she stops dancing. She goes to the bar. She asks the bartender for schnapps. He doesn't hear her, and he says vodka. And she doesn't correct him. She's like, oh yeah yeah vodka. Like she'll she'll take whatever he's offering. She offers to buy him a drink. She asks him if he's Swedish. He wants no part of it. She's just desperate to connect to anyone to 
to, to just be with people in a non-rivalry right. way and to experience some sort of thrill. And, and it's how she falls in love so easily. It's how she's willing to rob a bank. It's how she's willing to, to, to take this baby as protection to get her and Zona out of there. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I can't speak to whether or not you have sympathy for her, but I had no problem with the lengths to which this character goes. Uh, and I think that the arc of the movie is discovering about her why that happens and why she's willing to do that. Well, and, I, and I agree with you. I, I think it, I, I'm not saying it's out of character because I think her character emerges. You just don't like her character. It, it's just yeah, up fine. until that point, I was yeah. I was kind of rooting for her. I mean, we don't see what happens in the bank. We don't see if they shoot somebody in the head. We don't see any awful things that anybody has done to each other. Although Boxer has gotten them into this horrible situation, I'm still rooting for them all, even when they're kind of shooting around the corner at the police because of the Reservoir Dog Syndrome, you know. But when she takes that baby, it's like, oh, okay, well, I hope you get killed because <laughs> I, I just I hate that moment. But you are absolutely right. It's part of her emerging character that it happens. And it's not just about sympathy. It's like an interesting decision she's making. So, which to me is fair well, she's, game. She's it's still also, the driver at this point. By the way, that bartender is one of the screenwriters. Oh, that's I hilarious. That's great. And he's this maybe he was correcting her line. <laughs> what vodka? <laughs> uh, and it's also a notable thing. Is I mean, you probably you're not supposed to, I imagine, have sympathy for Faust after he sold his soul to Mephisto. Right. Like right. he. She's selling her soul here, and this, that's the whole point of the, the Mephisto waltz being played. Right. Uh, and I think that the subtext of all of this... Uh, she's lost. No, not lost. She, well, yeah, yeah, uh, partly. But the subtext for all of this is it's, it's a... I would describe Victoria as a real-time story about falling in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, when you fall in love with someone, you, you sell your soul. You are set up to do things you wouldn't otherwise do for them, on behalf of them. Uh, being in love can, can be dangerous. You can put your, you're really putting yourself out there emotionally. Uh, and I, I think that's, that's what we, that's ultimately the thrill, I think, in Victoria. The bank robbery and stuff, that's great, the way they do that. But the thrill of this movie for me is watching her and Frederick Lau connect and tell yeah. the story about two people who fall in love real time. You know, Dingus, you mentioned that it's like a theater take. Uh, the, the, the miracle of Victoria for me is that it has the intimacy of film, you know, the way the camera can get close to her and the way you can see the light in her eyes and the way you can see their face together and, and the thrill of that kiss where you're, you're up there with them and the immediacy, the moment-to-moment immediacy of theater where you know you're not going to cut. Mm. Anything that you see in theater, you see everything from A to Z, you know, unless there's like something between acts or whatever. But in theater, you sit there for 30, 90, however many minutes with a character, and there are no edits, there are no cuts, uh, and it has a, a unique immediacy to it that most film doesn't have because edits are used to tell a story and to create emotions and to create to create reactions. Right. And this movie just jettisons that. Uh, and to shape performances, by the way. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another reason uh, Tom, happens. Yeah. Tom, is her taking the money at the end a renunciation of that love? Like, if she left the money, would it have underscored that oh. it was about? Just her and him. Well, I never, yeah. Me. Unlike things, no. I never lost sympathy for her. So that whole time, I was like, "Oh, take the money, take the money, get out of there before the cops get there." I uh, see it as a "What are you gonna do?" Like you may as well kind of thing. Well, that's but what now he that, wants. I mean, he's he's told right, right. Yeah, yeah. 
But if she left it there, would that have been would that have underscored what you're talking about better? Like she was never it was never about the money. Like she was just with him. I, know, I mean, well, she, she no longer exists. So she and she has lost her. I mean, she, she has sold her soul, though. I mean, she's right. she's given herself over to being someone who did this for. You know, she took the money, she took the drugs, she kidnapped a baby. It's all she has to remember him by. She helped him hide the gun. Uh, I love I, that you you brought up that kiss, Tom, because one of the one of my favorite things that Zana does over and over again is whenever he's saying goodbye to her, he increasingly avoids kissing her. Like it, 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 they're about to kiss and they hug instead, and right, it's right. awkward. And you know, that's another thing that you get because it's film. Unless you're like in a tiny black box theater, you're not going to see that weird halting. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm going to kiss. I'm not, I'm going to hug you. Right, right, yeah, and that's the thing too is he's not uh, like he's. I, I I don't think he just wants to, to to do this chick. Like he's really in love with her. Uh, like he's going for the handshake. It always pays off later. Well, when he leaves the roof, you think that you think he's doing that little tongue thing to his friends. He's like, yeah, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Just for for their benefit. I mean, he's but, showing off for them. Once he's exactly. with her, he's a completely different animal. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. And I also love the thing I love about her character is that she knows she's being lied to and she's in on it. You know, when they're talking about the, the you know, Fuss's birthday car, she knows. Um, when he talks about the piano, she knows. When they get the new van, she knows. The don't she, talk in elevator things. Like, yeah, the, it's forbidden to talk in the elevator. I'll, I'll break the rules. I'll break the rules. I'm going to break the rules. Um, she knows what she's doing. She's not a victim. Is the title reference to the Victorian era, and it's like an after-hours kind of thing, which was supposed to be about Cortez, apparently? I can only imagine like what they might have called she this. Representation. If they didn't give it. If they didn't give it her name, yeah, it, it could have been called uh, Cow Cow. Maybe call it that. <laughs> one night in Berlin. What do you think of that one, Kelly Wand? Uh, well, it's 4 a.m. to 6. I do love the lighting. I'm glad you mentioned that. Because it's, that, uh, <laughs> that, just that sickly dawn that, that you feel after like an all-nighter when it's starting to get light outside. I mean, that... Yeah, when the sky's stomachache blue. <laughs> Is that yours, Kelly Wand? I can't remember. It's great. There's this one shot where, uh, and, and I had to rewatch this uh, because I, I couldn't believe that she actually... Uh, took the beer, stood up on the seat of the bicycle, and rode without there being a cut. <laughs> but she does that whole thing. And as they're riding the bike, after I think after they pay, pass the guy who scolds them for riding on the pavement, um, they're riding down the way, and there's this beautiful shadow of them riding by that's cast on the building behind them. And I don't know how you do that with just the natural light or the street lights. I don't know how you catch that as a happy accident. And the thing I kept watching for, and unfortunately... I even hate to say this. Um, I also this mentioned on our top ten podcast that unlike like Gaspar Noah when he did Irreversible, which had a lot of long shots like this, he would just digitally remove the boom mic or the crew if they ever got caught in the shot. Right. Uh, here, I, I, they, I doubt they did that. Uh, and there were times where I definitely noticed, and I hate this because if I say it, maybe now it'll um, – impact your enjoyment of the movie uh, i definitely noticed camera shadow oh you did i never noticed it could be anything yeah. it's a representation it's ex- it's expressionism well that that must have been i mean talk about a nightmare i mean with natural lighting 
What are you gonna uh, do? The, the, the some of the indoor lighting, you know, Matt, the, the camera's gonna get between. That just the, makes me like it more. And you know, maybe they could clean that Let's up a little. Fire. Clean it up a little CG, maybe. Abrams, you like it when he does it. <laughs> oh, when she walks into the bathroom, by the way, with the mirror, I was kind of like, oh, careful, careful. I mean, you know they're not going to screw that up. But I was like, oh, God, don't angle too close to the left. Go over to the right. Ah, careful. <laughs> were you moving your head in the theater behind the guy with the big head when you were doing that? Careful, right. move it over there. Ah. Trying to angle my view as if I was the camera. You're yeah. looking for the camera around a guy's head. That's what you go to movies to do. It's like when you play a video game and you're trying to look around and lean over something. Your body yeah, sort of leans person. as well. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. That's what they've done to us. Oh, that second club scene drove me crazy. Drove you crazy how? Well, uh, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't care for it. It went on way too long. and I, I don't know. The second club scene, you mean after the, the bank robbery? Yeah, when they go down and they're dancing around and getting naked. naked. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, I, I, that, yeah, the, the elation that you feel there, I, I love that. And especially watching yeah. Kiss for the first time and watching her reaction and were they going to go in for another kiss? Was she into it? Was she not into it? And no, I loved every bit of that. It's yeah, a and, it's movie over kind of thing. Yeah, it's and the great. way that they do, like cut out, you know, you're not listening to that throbbing club beat because that's not the emotion they're feeling. Uh, right. It's very different. And I love, yeah, I just love the liberation that you get. From, it's that it's that classic uh, build release, build release, build release yeah. tension that any good movie does, and just like it had ratcheted up the tension to the garage and to the robbery, it's still ratcheting it up. Well, here, no, it's a long, slow exhale, and I wouldn't have shaved a minute off of that. Like I love how long it took exhaling and letting us think. They're fine now, you know. Right. Now this love, you know, she, they're both in love, and they're they're they've finally kissed each other, and they've acknowledged that, and uh, yeah. And then it, it keeps going. You're like, the longer it goes on, the more you know. Wait, they're going to end with an endless nightclub scene of them kissing. Well, you know, it starts with an endless, and it's right. not endless, but there, there's a good, you know, three minutes of the camera coming into focus to find her and her dancing, and uh. You know, it, it starts with a long take in a nightclub. So I was kind of thinking when I saw it, oh, we're going to end with a long take in a nightclub. And it's, ah, it's, it's German. Just, I guess so. Yeah, you know, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of a clue, isn't it? Yeah. They're not into that. Only Audrey Hepburn. That's such a weird, I don't know. Because Audrey Hepburn does, never halts. So it's a, it, I think you Veronica Cartwright at 2.0. <laughs> oh, well, I, I really don't know. Like, I would, I don't think I've ever seen an Audrey Hepburn movie. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know her if I ran into her on the street. I just know people talk about. And she always seemed kind of artificial to me. Oh, you like, know what? It's a, uh, 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 Tattoo. Ta- no, shoot. Uh, who's the chick? Audrey Tattoo? No. Uh, Audrey Tattoo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Don't. Uh, you mean Amelie? Yeah, don't people describe her as having an Audrey Hepburn quality? Well, definitely. She, but she's okay. got more of that and name pixie beauty that Audrey Hepburn has. Right. Right, right. And that's kind of how I felt about Leia Costa. Is she's got this very pixie-esque, like, little girl beauty to her. Like, with the, the shark clothes and the ponytail. Uh, sort she's of, very natural, and I never got that from Audrey Hepburn. Like, I think Leia Costa's better than Audrey Hepburn. Oh, well, I don't – yeah, and that's just what I'm saying is that Laia Costa has this superstar quality. Like that smile, the wattage on that smile is unbelievable. Uh, and, and, you know, if you, you look at – like uh, looking at – when I wrote a blurb for this on Quarter 3, looking at pictures to, to post with it, uh, and there are a lot of shots of her – like as a normal actress. Uh, and it's amazing to like see her in non-Victoria – 
like like with makeup and with her hair done and in a, in a glamorous gown. Uh, I was very taken aback by that, but she she fits the role of like get it. Well, that's that's interesting, apart. actually, because that's one of the things that Aaron Vaughn said was about how little makeup anybody's wearing, but especially how little makeup she's wearing, yeah. and how as the night goes on, they increasingly look worse and worse, as if this is the longest night of their lives. Um, but yeah. I mean, and you can see, and, and this is something that reminded me as I was watching her. You you had said something about, and I, I'm sorry, I forget this, what the name of the actress was in Z for Zachariah. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Robbie. How, how you <laughs> remarked about how you know it's okay that her skin Margot. doesn't look perfect. That it looks like she's got a little acne, and and that doesn't really matter because she looks like a person. Right. And uh, that's even more so here. She just looks like a a, a woman who's out ha- clubbing and. That whole first sequence, you know, I, I have very low tolerance for club scenes, I guess. Um, but watching it the second time and realizing that she's not there to dance with anyone necessarily. She's there to dance. <laughs> she's there to experience and to and to let go. And the camera's focused on her not dancing with somebody, just dancing. And her, But her face looks real. It doesn't look like she's put a lot of makeup on. She's gone out to dance. You even get the sense when she goes in the bathroom in the hotel at the end to splash water on her face. I remember the second time thinking... You know, I bet she kind of stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. One, two, three, not only me. Get over under. Now. I'm calling between Kelly Wan, why did you do that before we did our over under? Jeez. I had such a better one in the chamber. I had no idea you were going to yank that so soon. Kelly Wan, what is your over under for uh, Victoria? I bracketed uh, one-shot movies about bank robberies that end in death. Okay. <laughs> so my um, over is Enter the Void, and my under is um, uh, Dread. Dread. Judge Dread. Oh, oh, sorry. Dread's on another list. My under <laughs> is actually something that has a bank robbery in it. <laughs> that would be the movie Killing Zoe. Um because it, it did make me feel about a, a girl being swept up, although it's very different because it's a prostitute, and that movie has a different sort of resolution, but this movie, for some reason, calls to mind Killing Zoe for me, and I wasn't a huge fan of that, um, but I think I still think it has some interesting stylistic things that goes on. Killing Zoe takes place in Paris, which is, I think, just probably like a 30-minute a drive from Berlin, because Europe yeah. is small. Right. It's no Madrid, which is, which is my happy place, I <laughs> Uh, so what are your overs? Uh, my over would be Before Sunrise. Also uh, <laughs> also in Paris. Also in Paris or Vienna, either one. I uh, laughed in Vienna. It's a train to Vienna. Yeah, the, the second oh, one, right, Before right. Sunrise, is in Paris. Uh, that sounds nice uh, right now. Uh, but I just like the way that, I, I mean, I know it gets a little stilted with all his pontificating about philosophy and poetry and whatnot, uh, but I like the way their relationship develops, um, and it doesn't well, have all this other crime stuff going on. You know, on. it takes in three movies, though. To be That's a good point, yeah. yeah. It took us seven movies, Tom. <laughs> good Lord. To get to where we're at now. <laughs> Counting prequels as individual movies, which Lucas does. What, what is your over, Kelly Wand? Oh, my over is Enter the Void, which I guess I should have... Yeah, he said him. He said both. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to about relationships, Tom? Oh, wait. What's your over-under, I mean? Let's <laughs> uh, see. My under... I, I forgot to do it. I, and I... You know what? I, I'm going to... I would work oh, out... Oh, that's why. 
Yeah, I would voice out and say my under is I don't know. I'll pick time code because the whole gimmick I loved in time code. Uh, I liked it here better, and my over would be <laughs> being in a play. <laughs> I don't know. Not watching a play. Actually, being in a play. And your over some... is being in a play yeah, as an yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's your over for the for your number two movie. Of I'm sorry, I couldn't come up with anything else. No, I like that you're my, this. You're I, not allowed to pick in advance anymore because you'll <laughs> say, say randomly is fascinating to me. Well, that is that real time unfolding of a relationship between characters. I. Yeah, but you have to theater, and I, I loved participating in that and being in theater. So you know what? I'll, I'll hey, drop the pipe. Yeah, <laughs> I did develop quite the relationship with Watson in that Kelly Wand. You know, uh, you can't so do Hound of the Baskervilles and not feel a connection to your Watson. You, I'll tell you what, uh, get take what's in your hand out of my face. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wand, what if uh, I had asked you? Did you learn anything about dating from Victoria? What would you have said? I'll show her how to get kicked out of music school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Kelly Wan, you know what it's time for. Ugh. <laughs> I feel no. like I feel like this three for Brittany. I thought that's the third Brittany false ejaculation. I was going to say Kelly Wan. I feel like this three by three is a prank gone wrong. Hmm. That's a <laughs> that you fucked up your list. That's good. <laughs> Uh, I didn't. I, I came up with three different things that are all pranks gone wrong. I it's weird to me, which you guys consider dumb topics. I didn't say That's dumb. Not- I just had a hard time with this, and uh, yeah, I don't. You've had a hard time with your own topics. No, I don't. All the time. <laughs> okay, maybe. The times or whatever. You were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, I'm introducing next week's 3x3, so I'll get to go first on this one. Aren't I introducing next week's? Yes, you are. Okay. So my number three – Kelly wanted to actually go ahead tell the listeners what is the 3x3. Maybe you have to elaborate, explain it. What's the topic? These are the three best pranks gone wrong in movies. All right. Nothing off the table, so there you go. No questions. So, all right. I'm an easygoing cop who can be bought off with uh, a punch in the face. I'm not even going to have to punch you in the face because I'm not even going to get pulled over. These are all pranks gone wrong. Wow. Look for words. Let's find out. My number three prank that you don't want to play because it will go wrong is if you are going to humiliate a really homely girl by dumping pig's blood on her at the prom, but it turns out that she's got the power of telekinesis, that is a prank gone wrong. Yep, it is. It's Carrie. Which one? The Brian De Palma one with uh, Sissy okay. Spacek. Which, by the way, I watched that scene. Man, I forgot how Brian De Palma does that. Like, there's all this like slow motion, yeah. close up of Nancy Allen's eyeball, exactly, and split screen, and yeah. I, you know, I, I'm just accustomed to thinking of the original Carrie as a an adaptation of a Stephen King book, which isn't <laughs> terrible. But you no, do? it's through and through a Brian De Palma movie, isn't it? Yeah. Fuck yeah! Do you remember the last scene? No, because I haven't seen it in forever. I just watched the prom scene on YouTube. What's, oh, no, no, the last scene, of course. Yeah, yeah, right. Everybody does. I mean, that that's not in the book. Is a kid. Well, there you go. It just shows that the definitive carry is Brian De Palma. It's like, not only is she telekinetic. She's a zombie now. Yeah. yeah. That's the worst thing. It's so weird that it taps into your fears of telekinesis and then it's like, oh, and by the way. your fears of leaning close to a grave. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people do that. 
in outside of movies. I never go to cemetery. I mean, I go to cemeteries all the time, but I, when I'm there, I never see them leaning over their grave. Well, you're like just asking for it. You're just asking for it if you do that. Yeah, I don't. I don't recommend tempting fate that way. You're a fear the walking deadest. Dingus, what's your third favorite prank gone wrong in a movie? Maybe you can give us a quote from it. All right, here's a quote from it. Do you guys know what I did to get in here? I taped Larry Lester's buns together. Man. Wait, I thought the flare gun was the uh, prank gone wrong. Very nice, Kelly Wood. That's not a prank. That's a suicide attempt. How dare you? Well, it's it's a self-imposed prank. Self-elected. It's a prank suicide, on itself. A suicide attempt is not a self-imposed prank. No, because you're shut. When you do a prank, you're trying to make people laugh. It made them laugh when they told them. When you you're not always them. trying to make some somebody laugh. Sometimes you're trying to humiliate somebody. So anyway, this is from the movie The Breakfast Club for Tom, who is left out of our conversation. Uh, I've seen that. It's a John Hughes movie. It, it is. It is indeed a John Hughes movie. Um, this is from the era of the '80s. You guys are always talking about how great. The 70s were, but the 80s, I think, are the true golden age of pranks in movies. Um, there so, weren't a lot of pranks in 70s movies. I mean, if you think of Vietnam as a prank, sure. But ooh. generally, 70s cinema didn't have a lot of prankage. Well, Fog of War is my number one. Um, but anyway, uh, it's Breakfast Club, and it's Emilio Estevez uh, telling everybody why he wound up in this Saturday detention. And uh, he's done this because his father is constantly harped about how he was always wailing on kids and being super tough and super strong and, um, and uh, you know, being a leader. And uh, Emilio Estevez is this jock. He's a wrestler. And um, the problem isn't that he did this prank. It's that he got caught. Uh, and the prank was uh, taping this, this skinny nerd who, had, who was very hairy. And he says, well, if you know Larry Lester, you know he's really hairy. And he, he's been, and Emilio Estevez has been taping up his knee, I think. And so he grabs this guy, he wails on him, he tapes his buns together. And when they take the tape off, it rips the guy's hair off and a lot of his skin off. And so this lands Emilio Estevez in detention for all day Saturday school. So I think that's a prank gone wrong. But it's gone right because it got him into the breakfast club and now he can work it out. Yeah, eventually it goes right because of, but it it goes wrong in that he gets to spend a day in Saturday detention. Yeah, I would consider that a failure, Kelly Wand. If I if I lose an entire Saturday to a prank, I didn't do it right. It's just like a waxing though. Like he's helping that guy remove his hair. Right, and he it's later does his nails. <laughs> Kelly Wand, what's your third favorite prank gone wrong? In, a movie. in the Norm Macdonald film Dirty Work, they go to a house to put fish, him and Artie Lang, in uh, some flower pots so that the guy's house will stink when he comes home from vacation. But then there's like a gang war instead uh, while they're uh, holding the fish in the next room. So they have to listen to it, like grenades go off and stuff. So it makes them feel dumb for just bringing fish because the gangsters smell the fish they're holding and go, hey, what's that? It makes them suspicious and it causes like multiple homicides. 
What's the name of this movie again? Dirty Work. You like? I told it really badly, and you still thought it was funny. So that's <laughs> a sign that it's a good joke. No, I think you're funny. That's the thing. They're holding fish for like two minutes on screen with like. They're holding fish feet. too soon. Yeah. And, oh, I got uh, that, Tingus. I understood that one. Thank you. Uh, all right, Dirty Work. Morning, How come uh, Norm Macdonald isn't in more movies? People didn't get it. I think he just hates making movies. I think that's probably close to the. I think that's close to the truth, Kelly. It's like Chris Rock too. Like they all hate doing stand up, even though they're really good at it. So then they make movies about how much they hate stand up. Does Norm Macdonald have a podcast? Because if he does, I would listen to the hell out of that. He's on a lot of podcasts. Mm, I want him to have his own. He's pretty funny. Did you ever see the Bob Saget? Oh, yeah, Bob Saget directed Dirty Work, and the Bob Saget roast was where... Yeah. Way to bury the lead. I forgot to mention that. It's really funny. I think it's an underrated classic, Dirty Work. I'm going to put that, I'm going to watch that right after the SpongeBob movie that was your number 10 favorite in 2015. Dude, that's so good. Matt Berry, you fuck. I know. As a dolphin. I don't know what I have to do to convince you. Oh, well, I didn't know he played a dolphin. If you told me that before, I I thought he might be like a crab or a starfish or something. That is, that is one of the moments where I did, again, I did have to watch that movie. That is one of the moments I believe I told you that. Yeah. Uh, I had to watch it with my kid. Um, when, (laughs) when Matt Berry shows up, I perked up and went, oh, what? Wait, huh? What? Then he comes back. Yep. I want to do a three by three of the worst movies Dingus has had to sit through with his son. (laughs) (laughs) You and I, Kelly Wan, wouldn't have very many picks for it, but it would be great to listen to what Dingus has had to suffer through. Uh, Kiernan hated Iron Man 3, so I'd want to hear Kiernan's list of the same topic. I think I had to sit through with my dad. Yeah, they get way worse than Iron Man 3, by the way. Wait, that's a good threat. It's like movies you had to see with your dad. Like, if you took you down to Basic Instinct or something. <laughs> I, did I tell you I saw a diner with my grandma? Did I ever tell you about that? And, like, the popcorn trick happens, and she made us leave. And go to the theater. She's all, there's no story. <laughs> it was, like, my super strict grandma. We she made you guys leave, but she stayed? Yeah. Okay. And then we saw Raiders Lost Ark. And I went, all right, it's grandma safe. Yeah, that second one was okay. That first one. (laughs) She was comparing Diner to Raiders Lost Art. I remember this is being raised in Arkansas. My grandmother wouldn't let us watch a TV show called Soap. Because oh, soap ruled. Because Billy Crystal played a gay character. Oh, and that's where, like a bat, my Baptist grandmother. Nope, you can't. Because I, for whatever reason, I didn't understand anything on soap, but I like to watch it every week. And my mom, it was hilarious, and it was a lot of sex jokes. So your grandma was kind of right, actually. Oh well, no, for her her objection was because there was a gay character, uh, and that's why we weren't allowed. to He's not gay though, really. He's one of those. He starts out gay, and then by the end of the show, he. It, sort of gotten lost by the wayside because he's never with another oh so it's like a jack tripper gay or he he is gay but uh, he's no no there's a gay it's kiss just... in that no dangus there's no gay is kiss there? in soap yeah isn't there isn't, isn't it with christopher reeve or am i thinking something else death that trap. is i thought <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> oh, maybe that's death trap never mind you just yeah. did a total tom <laughs> i did a total tom but i think there is a gay kiss in soap isn't there? no there can't be because i i think the first gay <laughs> kiss so on, death trap the first gay kiss dingus was on modern family i'm pretty sure oh all right um, but no, that they, that would be awfully. Yeah, you might be thinking of first interracial kiss. No, there was a lot, of, um, a lot of affair having. I remember on soap, and that was considered groundbreaking. My folks, no one's 
My folks were always super freaked out about Norman Lear. Anything that Norman Lear had to deal with. Lear's Any, even his name. Uh, they just he, hated him because he was so liberal. What? All the families for everyone. The title says it all. It's not just for libs. Oh, that was the first interracial kiss. Liberal's the dumbass on the show. The star of it's their guy, Archie Bunker. Mm-hmm. He's the best character on the show. I think they're being a little too harsh. Let's get back to movies and pranks. <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys my second favorite prank in all of movies. Ready for this? Here's a prank that you shouldn't do because it can go wrong. The prank is tricking Ted Levine into thinking that Paul Walker is a hot chick when really Paul Walker is just a hot dude. And that is the movie Joyride. Oh, right. That's a good one, Tom. Yeah. Don't don't do that. And maybe you'll just do it because Steve Zahn talked you into it, but it's not a good idea. Do not do that. That will be a prank. It will not end well. Just letting you. But it's such an irresistible idea. Well, it's funny, too, how in in Joyride, like, they have to make. uh, And I love, too, that uh, Dingus, who's not really. His, like, horror movie awareness is, like, capped out at, like, maybe 65%. Dingus is totally into Joyride, by the way. Joyride is one of those trashy horror movies. There's three. There might even be four of them. There's three of them. I've seen three of them. Uh, So, Joyride. I forgot what I was going to say about it. I just ran out of steam right in the middle of explaining something about Dingus' zone of horror movies. Sound <laughs> a card. Oh, no, no. Here's what I was going to say. Uh, so, unfortunately, in Joyride, they do this thing where they have to make it where Paul Walker gets talked into doing this by Steve Zahn. You know, because they want him to be a good he's guy. The hero, right. right. They don't want the audience to think, oh, he's a jerk. Like so, so it's got to be that he's super reluctant to prank some poor trucker over CB radio. Yeah. yeah, so his friend has to push him to do it, and it's then he it. does it reluctantly. Uh, when I don't know anybody, nobody's gonna have a hard time. Like, it's like when you have a movie where characters rob a bank, and you have to make the one character who's the hero. He has to rob the bank because he has to pay for an operation for his terminally ill daughter. Victoria. No, it's like in a, in a movie, people rob banks just to get money. You don't need to give them uh, some noble need for money. You know, right. oh, like Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, the for the sex change operation for John Cassell, right? right. In Wyoming or uh, 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 Blues Brothers to get money for the <laughs> orphanage. <laughs> just That's excellent, Tom. Just let them want the money. Just let them want to make fun of truckers. You know. So there you go. My number two pick. Uh, tricking Ted Levine, not a good idea. Wait, you're one. saying I, I love that. trick truckers. I'm saying what, Kelly Wand? Never mind. Okay. Did you ever see Gumball Rally? More importantly. You know what? I've seen all those and don't remember the first thing about them. <laughs> or Convoy. That's the one I meant to ask you. Not Gumball Rally. Which was the Chris Christopherson, Allie McGraw one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. That's Wait. Convoy, right? What's the one where Burt Reynolds has to, and Jerry Reed have to drive Smoking a bunch the of Bandit, bro? What? Oh, yeah, Smoking the Bandit, right. That's the one I've seen. I haven't seen. I don't know Convoy. Oh, no, I do know Convoy. Is that at the very end where he drives a semi-truck through the company logo? Yeah, and he dies, but then he's not dead. That's Convoy? Yeah, I do know that one. I did watch that yeah. recently, actually. So he tells... Chris Christopherson tells the cops Ellie McGraw's character's not wearing pants. That's not Convoy. You're thinking of a different one. No, Convoy's That's not convoy. the one where he drives to the company headquarters and he ramps the – not the semi. What's the front part of a semi called? Uh, the, the, the cab. The, uh, the the cab yes. He's driving the cab and he ramps off of 
like a dirt ramp straight through a big old like statue of the company logo. That's not convoy, is it? It's like a big. Wait, how does that like prove that what I just said doesn't happen? Because I don't remember that. Uh, that, I'm talking about the end of the movie in a different scene, Kelly. That's BJ and the Bear. Obviously, the Ellen McGraw part doesn't happen in the scene I'm describing, and therefore doesn't happen in the scene you're describing. It's not Convoy. It's something else that I saw recently. Convoy Convoy ends with Chris Christopherson getting in the front part of a semi, the cab. Driving through a logo. I think that happens in Convoy, because he gets killed. No, you know what? No, this guy doesn't get killed in the one I've seen. And plus, there are lots of listeners who totally know what I'm talking about, and right now they're screaming at this podcast saying, Kelly, you're wrong. It's maximum overdrive. No, no, no. It's not that thing. That's Emilio Estevez directed that. That's in our fear of the Green Goblin. I'm going to have to Google it. All right, so go ahead. I'm sorry, Kelly. You You were going to say something awesome about Chris. Emilio directed maximum overdrive? Yeah, didn't he? Is that right? Hey, Stephen. No. Didn't Stephen King direct that? Oh, that's the okay. Right, I knew someone other, peripherally involved with the creation of it, other than directing it, directed it. <laughs> so I was close. <laughs> Man, you take his one directorial effort, give it to Emilio Estevez. Emilio He's Estevez directed so many times today. Directed Death Trap. I don't. I feel like Emilio Estevez has directed something. I don't know what though. He has. He directed something called One Way, which is this weird. Um, Christianity movie that came out like three years ago. Are you what? serious? Is Emilio Estevez like what? a hardcore Christian? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I can kind of see it. Wow. You know, he's related to Martin Sheen. You guys may not know that because they have a Wait. different last name. And Charlie. When I watched him do- giving that heartfelt monologue about taping the dude's buds together in the library during Breakfast Club, I mean, he does have Martin Sheen's hair. I just kept thinking about like Martin Sheen having the breakdown in the hotel in the motel room in Apocalypse. Right, right. <laughs> and, and thinking as Emilio Estevez is acting the scene, are you thinking about your dad right now? <laughs> I think of him saying, "How dare you, to Andrew Garfield?" Is that a Saint Elmo's Fire reference? What? You guys suck. <laughs> uh, anyway, Spider-Man is that distant a memory to you? Fuck you oh, guys. Andrew Garfield. I was thinking of. Uh, uh, Never mind. I was thinking of someone else. The president, Garfield. Uh, yeah. Wait, why? Why Emilio Estevez isn't in Spider-Man? I want to know. Oh my God, works. he is! You're, wait, is he the construction worker? Is no, Martin Sheen slaps Andrew Garfield and goes, "How dare you?" Martin Sheen. Because oh, he's he his was, dad, right? He plays Spider-Man's dad. It's Uncle Ben. Right, Uncle. Right, right. I forgot about that. Right. right. And and he's mad at Peter Parker for humiliating another kid at Bass. The the school bully. He's mad at his son for for not having great responsibility. at basketball, right? Uh, right, right? Your parents and uncles will hate it when you do that. Right? Uh, they hate it right. when you win at athletic contests. Remember who played uh, Superman's dad in in uh, the the last Superman? Sally Field, Kevin Diane Costner. Lane. Kevin Costner, yeah. Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, that it. You know what, Kelly one Kelly one thing is Kelly technically right. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, let's get back to pranks. I've had enough of this nonsense. <laughs> Bingus, what's your second favorite prank in a movie? Maybe uh, off with uh, a quote from it. Here's a quote: "Your mother puts license plates in your underwear. How do you sit?" Man, I don't know. Is he? Ta- is it Jaws's mom? What? Nothing. All right, this is from a movie called Real Genius. Um, this is. From 19... You don't know Real Genius? 
I don't remember that line, license plates in your underwear. Uh, that's yeah, that's Val Kilmer saying the line. It's when they go out to uh, Kent's car, and they're about to take the car apart. And he's like, oh, my mom has, my mom does this with her, with her license plates. And I mean, I'm not getting the sequence of the lines, line right, but it's this weird non sequitur where Phil Cumber uh, says, your mom puts license plates in your underwear? How do you sit? Oh, no, my, he, he goes, oh, he put his name on his car. And Mitch goes, oh, my mom does that with my underwear. I remember all the pranks going right in that movie. All right, so the prank that goes wrong is that Mitch, uh, who's the kid, uh, the 15 year old who's gone away to the Institute, uh, very androgynous, um, calls home because he just feels utterly discouraged. This party oh. that uh, that Val Kilmer has thrown has gone terribly wrong. He's gotten in trouble. And Mitch calls home uh, to tell his mother, I, I just want to come home. I'm a kid. And he starts crying. And Kent, the dick, uh, and his and his evil henchmen hear him talking on the phone. And they run down the hallway. They get uh, They get on another line, and they bug the phone call and record it. Uh, so their prank is the next day in the cafeteria after this tearful call where Mitch has said, Mom, I just want to come home. Please let me come home. I'm only 15. I'm only a kid. And his mom says, well, your father rented out your room. Um, in the cafeteria where they're all sitting there eating, Kent arranges for this phone call for Mitch, this little kid, I mean this 15-year-old and this basically this group of college kids, arranges for this phone call to be played over the PA system and totally embarrasses him, shows him crying, shows him weeping to his mom, and it's and it basically makes Mitch want to leave the school, and he starts packing his stuff up. And what this leads to, uh, of course, is um, Chris Knight, Val Kilmer's character, convincing him, no, you have to stay, you have to do the right thing. First of all, you have to get back at Kent. Um, and he gives him a pep talk, and he talks him up, which eventually leads to Mitch getting Chris Knight to stay at the school, and leads to them both, figuring out how to make this super laser, um, which uh, resolves the movie. And if, if Kent hadn't done that, they probably would have failed at their task. What, when's the part of the movie where they invent Kelly LeBrock? Um, that happens during the prequel. Okay. That's a weird movie. I don't know what it's called, though. It's got something to do with science, I think. Mm, I don't think you're right. All right, Dingus, uh, another 80s movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kelly Wand, what's your second favorite prank gone wrong? He already, he already said it. I did carry you. Oh, all right. You ready for my number one pick for a favorite prank gone wrong in a movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, Here's the prank. <laughs> and as I don't recommend this because it'll, it'll go wrong. If you're going to try to humiliate a homely girl by dumping pig's blood on her at the prom, but it turns out she's got tele- the power of telekinesis, that is a prank gone wrong. I don't recommend it. All right. There you go. It's Carrie, by the way. Oh, the, the other, other one? Yeah, yeah, the Chloe March Grace one. Ladies and gentlemen, that, uh, that is called hunting. Or bunting. Weak! Weak! Oh, oh are you going to try to pull me over? No, you know what? You should live with your shame. <laughs> <laughs> the whole world's going to be your prison. That just went out on the internet, and all the listeners heard what you just did. Uh, absolutely the worst. What? They're worst. Different, they're different movies. At least I make up dumb shit. You didn't even do that. <laughs> didn't even do that. Not even dumb shit's good enough for you listeners. So this is a different oh, shit. This is a very this prank going wrong is very different because when Chloe Moritz Grace like telekinetically like fucks shit up. Sorry, uh, she like has to do it like she's casting a spell. You guys remember that? 
uh, Sissy Spacek, she just like open, bugs her eyes out and things go crazy. Chloe Moritz's Grace is like doing like uh, all this prestidigitation nonsense, like with her fingers and stuff, and she's like casting spells. It's super cool. So they're totally different things. I'm just letting you know. She's doing non-faked physical gestures. It is a non-faked physical gesture, Dingus. Very good. Yep. <laughs> Kelly, you're not gonna. You're you're just gonna let him go. Uh, he's too pathetic to incarcerate. You're giving him the mark of spending. Yeah, I have to walk the earth now. (laughs) Jail. We have actual criminals who want to be part of society in jail on death row. Deserve meals cooked by the justice system. The final meal. Tom's not getting any free food for that shit. All right, Dingus, that's that's now down to you. Vigilante Justice will handle this. <laughs> I will not do anything. Dingus, what's your first favorite prank gone wrong in a movie? Out to the cat skills. Here's a quote from it. It's coming around. This is preceded by the character saying to uh, the girl he's dancing with, "What comes around, what goes around, comes around." <laughs> Shit, is it eighties? It is 80s. It is 1984. Oh, uh, I know. Uh, Animal House. It is not Ghostbusters. Nope. Tom thinks Animal House was 84. I shouldn't be surprised (laughs) by anything Tom says. (laughs) After that crap. At least he didn't conflate soap and uh, death trap. No, that was adorable. What Tom did was not adorable. (laughs) You're just mad. Not adorable. All right. This is a movie called Karate Kid. Um, There are two pranks that go wrong in this movie. Um, <laughs> the prank I'm referring to is when um, Daniel, played uh, by Ralph Macho. This movie, by the way, I watched all three of these movies in their entirety. Kelly, well, uh, I'll have you know, uh, I put my time in this. And the Swank one too. What'd you say? The Hillary Swank one also. The fourth mm, one. No, I decided to watch Stop. one of the Stop two movies. Much. Now that Tom has done this, I realize I just could have gone with the two Karate Kid movies. Um, but uh, but Karate Kid. Damn, the 1984 movie really holds up, and Ralph Macchio yeah. is fucking great in it. He's yeah. so good. He's so winning. He's so charming. He's a really good actor. Always look high. His, his chemistry with um, with Elizabeth Shue, who is super yes. hot in it, is great. Yes. Uh, yes. And his chemistry with Pat Morita is great, too. I mean, he's really, really good in it. Uh, I'm really surprised that this movie holds up so well. Um uh, but the, the first, actually, it's, I don't know if you would even accept this as a prank, but there's this, there's this moment during soccer tryouts um, where Daniel, uh, Daniel LaRusso, is, he's, they just moved from New Jersey. He's trying to fit into this new school in California, and he really wants to play on the soccer team. He's really good at soccer. Um, and so he's trying out for the soccer team, or they're at a practice. I'm not sure if it's soccer tryouts or practice. And um, part of the gang of evil Cobra Kai... Uh, karate dudes, one of them looks at the other and they kind of make like a couple of like facial gestures and they decide that they're going to make him look like a fool real quick at practice. And one of them slide tackles him and kicks him and makes him trip. He falls down and he gets in a fight with one of them. And it's this, it's this very quickly arranged prank where it's basically, yeah, just trip him, just kick him. So he falls down and looks like a fool in front of this girl that he likes, who is the, the ex-girlfriend of Johnny, the evil leader of the Cobra Kai. And this gets Danny kicked off of the team. Um, so he doesn't get to play soccer after all. And the reason this is a failed prank is that that leads him to go and concentrate on karate, which, of course, 
ruins their whole championship eventually. Mm-hmm. The other prank, the prank that I was talking about in the quote, is uh, uh, Daniel's decided to go to the dance um, for Halloween. He doesn't want to go, but Pat Morita, uh, Miyagi, convinces him that he should go. And uh, so he says, well, I can go. I'll go if, if you make me a costume that nobody will recognize me in. <laughs> and so Miyagi makes him this shower. He, he's a portable shower, basically. He walks into the dance with a shower curtain around him and this uh, shower head over. Because Miyagi works as the uh, as the, uh, the handyman at um, Daniel's apartment. So he can make showers. Right. So he can make showers. And it's got, like, tinsel coming out of the shower, so it looks like it's water. And uh, as soon as he walks in, Elizabeth Shue goes, oh, Daniel's here. <laughs> and her snooty friends are like, who, where? Who's the like, shower? In the shower. How do you know? I just know. And she goes in, and they have this great conversation. And she's Take a shower together. And he says, well, don't worry. Johnny will get what he, what he gets, because what comes around goes around. And then Daniel goes off to the bathroom, and Johnny's in one of the stalls rolling joints. Um, and Daniel realizes he's in there, and so he takes this hose from the utility sink in the bathroom, and he runs it over the pipes that are right under the ceiling, and he drenches Johnny while he's rolling joints, and then runs Where's out of the there. shower now, bitch? Yeah. But this backfires on him because he gets the crap beat out of him by all of the Cobra Kai <laughs> right outside of his apartment. He's trying to run up a chain link fence or something. Yeah, yeah. He goes over one fence, they chase him across the field, and he almost gets over the other fence, and they pull him down, and they just start to beat the crap out of him. And That's eventually... Yeah, and eventually... Pat Morita jumps in and beats them all up. jeez. Oh, it sounds so traumatizing. It's terribly traumatizing. And Ralph Macchio is so great the... in this movie. I cannot tell you guys how yeah. I loved watching Karate Kid again. So thank you, Kelly Wan. I was nervous about this going in, but all three oh, of these movies, high. and all of them are in the same, It's it, they're both, there's 84, 85, and 84. All three of these movies are in the same little bit. Um, and these are the ones I thought of, and I loved watching them again. I don't think I've ever seen the third one, but I remember it's one of the ones where everyone, there's like an evil toxic waste company, and they all wear like they all have ponytails and wear like dark jackets and suits or something. I've only seen the first two. Oh, oh so you, well, we gotta watch the second one. I gave. Yeah. Wait, you said you watched all three? You said no, no, no. I watched all three of them. I watched all three of my picks in. Their entirety. I watched Breakfast Club. Oh, right. So no Breakfast one's seen Kid, Karate Kid three and Real Genius. I watched all three of those movies in their entirety just to see what I could glean from them. You might have missed out on some great pranks in Karate Kid two and three, Dinkus. Maybe you I think you're right, Tom. I think no, you should watch them. No, I'm fine. My my pick, my three picks are perfect. They're <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm totally content. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> None taken. Kelly Wand, what is your favorite? Prank in a that gone gone wrong in a movie that I presume inspired this topic because it's probably the best one. I liked Karate Kid because he was skinny too, and I was skinny, so it made me go, "Oh, Ralph Macho can learn karate. All learn karate." He's and super skinny. He looks so frail and afraid in that yeah. last that last crane kick thing. I mean, he, I mean, it's so well put together. Now he'd be Taylor Lautner, and then he'd just be beaten up by like shrimpier guys. What was that movie? Oh, yeah, Ender's Game. Remember where Ender was taller than the bully? <laughs> That's right, like yeah. A kid going, ah, yeah, all right, Ender, you wise guy. You think your father's someone cool? They're Maybe all fighting in the shower. Yeah. All right, Tom, to answer your question, 
My number one is uh, from the movie Star Wars, where Han Solo makes them all jump into the trash compactor, and uh, wow. they get lucky since they brought. No, Genius, can you believe that? <laughs> I, I'm not talking to you. I am. I, You're I, not allowed to say I, anything. I, I, no, no. Tell Genius, me. Yeah. Hold on. There's a reason why Tom said that. Tom. We were sitting around. Dings and I were sitting around today. I was like looking at my movies, thinking, "Which of these movies have pranks in them? This is terrible." And I, I actually, we actually came up with that. I think I mentioned it to Dingus, and we riffed for a little bit on: Does it count as a prank if you then go down the chute into the garbage as well? Like it would have been a prank if Han Solo, whoever blows open the, the door, and they all go down. That would have been a better prank. You screw up the prank, and that makes it go wrong if you go down there with them. So we, we've already talked about this, Kelly. I don't know what you have to add to the conversation, but we'd, we'd like to hear it. Uh, I'd like to add that when they get down there, there's a there's monster. There's a Dianoga. Right. We talked yeah. about that, too. Do you have and then he's all, yeah. No, and then Han Solo's all, ah, shut up. And then he shoots the Dianoga, and it ping-pong the ricochets, his laser ricochets off a million things and would kill all of them. And then Leah's like, stop shooting lasers at fucking Dianogas. Whatever no, she, she says, says it, it's magnetically sealed, and they already tried that. Before he got down there, that's right. Yeah. But it's also so super stinky. Prank, his prank is shooting the Dianoga went wrong because it got him yelled at by royalty. Tom, but then also she's the one who does it because he goes, what an amazing smell you've discovered. See, the thing is I never would have guessed that was coming. I mean, we were joking like, oh, he, this would never actually be something someone mentioned. And it's, it's Kelly Wan's number one pick. It's what he was thinking of all along. <laughs> That's how well we know him. We didn't even realize we knew him that well. I thought well, he was going to do something like say it's a, the producers of Weekend and Bernie's were playing a prank on the actors in the movie because they didn't know they were in a movie or something. Well, the first two, I've I seen, okay, he's just doing actual prank. Like the first two made it seem like he was actually doing the list in earnest, and right. then he sort of brings it around. Once again, I think this this three by three is a prank gone wrong. Hmm. My third one is also Carrie. Uh, <laughs> Carrie 2, uh, it's a TV movie, but uh, I was on West Wing. Uh. Kelly, do the listeners have any thoughts about pranks gone wrong in movies? Oh, God. It's <laughs> way too many. There's I mean, one I can't, I, I can't wait for um, runners up because there's one I can't believe that Tom didn't pick. Well, he had no room left on his list, you see. <laughs> Crazy, because his serious – he put all of his effort and brain power. <laughs> Paul Weimer writes, hi, guys. See, now I'm all pissed about Tom. So hi, Paul. Listener things in that tone. Three best pranks gone wrong. The theme I chose should become immediately obvious and does not involve Roman. Oh, wait, these are good ones. See, Tom's dumb. This topic rules. <laughs> Number three, it pains me to bring this movie up in any context, but in Dumb and Dumber, Harry and Lloyd's liberal used to ghost pepper sauce on their unsuspecting dining companion's burger. The allergic reaction he gets is treated by Harry and Lloyd with his medicine that turns out to be rat poison. Oops. Yeah, they give a guy a heart attack and then they give him poison. That's how dumb they are. Remember in Spies Like Us where they have, they pretend they're doctors and then the patient dies or something? Yes, it's what it has one of my favorite lines in the movie. And it's when he says, we mock what we don't understand. <laughs> That's from Spies Like Us? Yeah. 
God. I need to go back to the 80s and really pay attention this time. The chicks in that are super hot. In Spies Like Us? Yeah. Yeah, Vanessa Angel and Donna Dixon. Yeah, Vanessa Angel. Vanessa Angel. I know Vanessa Angel. In her prime. I know. I know. Number two, in Carrie, a prank with a bucket of pig's blood being dumped on the titular character. Wait, what? Which one did he mean, though? (laughs) I don't know. Which movie is he talking about, Tom? Do you know? There's there's two of them. They're very different. You know, they're very different Carrie's. Oh, you're going to have a lot to say in a second. Leads to her climactic incendiary response. Don't mess with a pyromancer. What? Yeah, she's not a pyromancer. This, this oh, wait, maybe she is. Maybe That's she's the thing. Maybe pyromancers were actually telekinetics. I'm your wait, pyromaniac is Drew Barrymore in Firestarter. She's a pyromancer. I don't know Pyro- if Chloe Moore's... Pyrokinetic. Pyrokinetic. I don't know if Chloe Moore's Grace actually starts the fires or if they start from something else if it's science it's pyrokinetic and if it bends it's funny <laughs> number one in zombie land bill murray <laughs> this is a great one see tom you stink this is actually very zombie good land, it's a great one bill murray playing himself dresses himself up as a zombie to prank jesse eisenberg <laughs> on the suggestion of woody harrelson this goes horribly wrong with columbus genuinely <laughs> scared responds to being frightened mostly by a shotgun blast in bill murray's chest that is a good one yeah it is brilliant yeah i like that that's if he regrets anything and he says garfield baby come on <laughs> tom no i know why wasn't that on your list kelly wand because yeah. i like the listeners to have room to pee on us as do i that's why i took carrie twice so that paul paul wouldn't have had to use carrie i had it covered paul i was good yeah. we you took the bullet on that yeah you're the Amy Irving of our carry click. Well, you're the PJ Souls. You're oh, <laughs> who's the one in um the remake who gets? Uh, oh, uh, Judy Greer. Dingus is the Judy Greer. She gets force choked. Yeah. God. And uh, Carrie Chloe Moritz Grace even does the Darth Vader force choke hand thing. It's amazing. Who's the one in the sports car? That's the one I like. John Travolta. Jesus. <laughs> Who's Travolta in the Chloe Grace Moritz one? Oh, I don't it's like a Kellen Lutzish kind of fella. Yeah. I don't recognize him. I don't know who he is. No, the girl one. The girl Kellen Lutz. Oh, uh Portia Doubletay. Right. The, the, uh, the contemporary uh Veronica Cartwright. The Veronica Cartwright of her generation, I should say. <laughs> the Audrey Hepburn of Alien. <laughs> Jaime Cabrera writes, hey, all tougher topic than I thought it would be. So just one this week. I know it's low-hanging fruit, but I had to be sure it got mentioned. Zombieland Bill Murray. Can't wait to hear your picks and everyone else's. Well, keep hoping. That's not low-hanging fruit. That's a great one. I know. Uh, Everyone's saying it now, too. God. See? All the listeners are smarter than Tom. And (laughs) And me, apparently. I'm stuck in the 80s. Yeah, but you did a theme. Therefore, <laughs> ergo. Mine was a theme. My theme was 66% carry. How's that? Mean? I think it's dumb. 66% carry. Colton W. Westrate writes, I came up with two I was happy with, but then my wife trumped mine with what had to become my number one. Number three, here's a quote from it. Oh, no, I killed the bastard. The malicious addition of cayenne pepper becomes Mrs. Doubtfire's undoing when she causes Pierce Brosnan to choke on a shrimp. 
I've only seen the third Mrs. Doubtfire. I've only, two. I've only seen the trailer for the drive-by fruiting scene. That's all I know about Mrs. Doubtfire. From that thing where it was like, remember when movies brought us together? And then the comedy one is that part. It was drive-by fruiting, and then it shows the audience all laughing communally, like, oh, drive-by fruiting. I've remember only that? Seen, yeah, I've only seen the remake. Tyler Perry's Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Not uh, Big Mama's House. Number two, Lightning McQueen and Master's Tractor Tipping Fun comes to an end when McQueen revs up and tips all the tractors in the field at once, triggering the wrath of Frank the Combine. <laughs> wow. I said Master the Mater. Wait, what's the movie? It's Cars. You knew that? Lightning McQueen. Hello. Uh, number one, Bill Murray, Zombieland, enough said. Later, guys, Colton. I didn't see cars. Num- uh, <laughs> Listener number four, Arthur Giovanna Jelly. Number three, Animal House. An elaborate prank involving a horse and a gun loaded with blanks is contrived but backfires due to the horse having a heart attack. <laughs> ah, that's so good. This topic's great. The listeners win. <laughs> Remember, Tom, the, the horse has a heart attack. They show they convey that by freeze framing. Freeze that's frames were not, were not that uncommon in 1984. But to crazy. convey a horse having a heart attack, John Landis was a uh, – he's my favorite Landis. What movie is that? Animal House. Uh, Animal House. You remember that? No, I, I don't remember Animal remember House. Remember they changed Except for course. Mind If We Dance With Your Dates is the only thing I remember. <laughs> it's super good, Dingus. You should watch it again. It totally holds up. Hmm. The scene, there's like grocery store seductions. I do like the hand, the hand job scene is very funny, actually. <sighs> number two, Kick-Ass 2. The popular girls at school. Oh, yeah. This one I didn't like because it was too CG. The popular girls at school play a cruel trick on Hit Girl, which is fairly successful, but produces unforeseen. You got to say what that part is, but produces unforeseen repercussions involving a six stick. Huh. Oh. Yeah. She makes girl throw up by uh, using a taser. That's not all. Yeah, that, that, that scene goes on for a while. Yeah, God, it's that's wretched. Damn, I should have watched. It's all CG and noises, though. It's just kind of like... Biggest, if you were about to finish that sentence with, damn, I should have watched Kick-Ass 2, Kick-Ass no, you yeah, should not have watched it. Okay. No, I was going to say I should have watched Heathers again, because I'm sure there's stuff like that in Heathers. Uh, not Heathers like that, is though. a runner-up. What? Uh, oh. Heathers is one of my runners-up. Oh, okay, good. But it was 80s, too. Uh, number one, The Incredibles. Dash plays a trick on one of his teachers by placing tacks on his chair. <laughs> Fortunately for Dash, his teacher suspected him and set up a camera in his classroom in order to catch him in the act. The video evidence is not clear enough to incriminate Dash with his school principal. But it did get him in trouble with his mother. Much worse. That's a good one. I like that. Chris Webb writes, Kelly... Glad you found my brief American Pisces from a few weeks ago to be an act of love, which it was, and not an act of plagiarism, which it also was. Number three, Friday the 13th, part three. My and Tom's favorite Friday the 13th. Right, Tom? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 3D one with uh, the Jocelyn Donahue-esque ingenue. And with my former roommate, yeah. 
One friend of the show, Jeffrey Rogers, does a handstand to scare his lady friend in the shower. Is that who? Yep, Jeff Rogers. Yep. Jason's not amused by the handstand and strikes his machete down on the kid's bathing suit head. Isn't he mute, too? Like handstands? I don't think so. Okay. Maybe he was. I mean, I don't remember that. I might be thinking of Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) Who's mute in that? Chewbacca. Number two, dirty work. See? Whoa. When Norm MacDonald and Artie Lang plant dead fish in a rich asshole's mansion so the house will stink. In the middle of pulling this off, they hear cars pull up to the house and hide in a side room for which they overhear a cocaine deal about to go down. One of the buyers remarks the house smells like fish. The dealer and his men assume these are code words and the others are wearing a wire. We then hear chaos erupt off screen as bullets ring out, glass shatters, and men scream in agony until none are left alive, save for the petrified Norm and Artie in the next room. Some choice lines overheard. Say hello to the devil for me. Is that a hand grenade? And he took away my chainsaw, and now he's using it on me. <laughs> Bob Saget. Why couldn't you explain it like he did? That made it sound awesome, Kelly Wong. Because I'm not a writer. Dingus liked my version. Yep. Norm MacDonald, Dirty Work. Remember? Bob Saget. Number one, happiness. When Philip Seymour Hoffman realizes Lara Flynn Boyle's DTF. I fucked it up. When PSH realizes LFB is DTA. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Chris. It was on me. Sex in the abstract is a simple desire, but abstraction confronted by reality can be terrifying. When Lara Flamboyle tells Philip Seymour Hoffman, I want you to fuck me, he is overcome with fear despite having just told her he wants to fuck her until she's coming out of her ears. In this funny and insightful scene, Hoffman's character anonymously calls one of his neighbors from work in order to degrade and sexually intimidate her. She uses Star 69 to call him back and call his bluff. She says, I want you to fuck me, but he can only whimper back that he can't. So you need to take those drugs that the Victoria has. Is that a spoiler? He doesn't think he can do that. He's forced to confront the reality he can't fuck a woman as good as his imagination can. The scene's capped off perfectly when the Tom character stops by his cubicle to ask if he saw the playoffs last night. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Runner-up, two dudes moon Scott Bayo, but end up hanging from a tree branch with their pants down while their girlfriend's knobs come out to look for their shadow. <laughs> I know which movie he's talking about. Huh, Tom? No idea. Yes, you do. Come on. I did what? Tom Scott Bayo. He's only in one movie. Jesus. Heather is it Heather Locklear who's in it too? Heather Thomas. Heather Thomas. Sorry. I don't know any movie with Scott Bayo and Heather Thomas. Uh, <clears throat> yes, you do. <laughs> Who else Every- is in it? Who famous is in it? The games. Oh, Scatman <laughs> Crothers is in it. He finally gets zapped after Ames. That's awesome. I've never seen it, though. But yeah, I, I maintain that I have not seen it. Robert Mandon's in it. Chester from Soap. Chester Tate. All right. Robert Perry Cruis writes, Hey, QT3 crew, I hope I got this in time. Here are my picks for some good pranks gone wrong. Number three in the movie Heathers, Winona Ryder keeps going along with crazy Christian Slater's ideas of pranks on the cool kids. Pranks like pretending to put Drano in someone's orange juice or using fake bullets on two jocks so as to leave gay paraphernalia around their unconscious bodies. Turns out all three of those kids die. Can't think of a worse way for a prank to go. And while murder was always on Christian Slater's agenda, poor Winona keeps believing she's just fooling around. Tingus in the original script of Heathers at the end, like, she blows up the school. 
because she realizes Christian Slater was right. Hmm. Think of that thing. Disinterest. No, no, I I think in a post... Never mind, go ahead. Yeah, but it was pre. Yeah, I know. Number two, here's a quote from it. Hua, 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 hua. (laughs) Can you do that with more feeling, Kelly Wand? Hua, 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 hua. Is it is it something from Apocalypto? Hua, 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 hua. Are you trying to do like scent of a woman? I'm doing my accent. Hua, 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 hua. That would be awesome if he had done it like that in scent of a woman. Hua, 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 hua. Hua, Donald. Hua, Donald. Get it? In the Goonies. Oh, good lord. Oh, there we go. Obviously. Lovable fat kid Chunk admits to the worst thing he's ever done while being tortured by the evil Fratellis. <laughs> Fratellis always gets me. Seems that one time Chunk went up to the balcony of his local movie theater and began to make puking noises before, before throwing fake vomit onto the crowd below. Sadly, his little joke ended with the crowd getting sick and throwing up all over one another. Oh. Wait, so Goonies rips off fucking Stand By Me. No, Goonies was before Stand By. Uh, Stand By yeah. rips off. Poor Chunk had never felt so bad his entire life. Number one, in the company of men's an entire movie about a prank. Oh, that's, that's no, a good that's one, good. Robert. Yeah. I like that one, yeah. Two misogynistic businessmen target a deaf co-worker in an attempt to make her fall in love with them so they can both break up with her at the same time. But while Aaron Eckhart's alpha male finds the whole thing amusing, his buddy doesn't, falling in love with her and being destroyed when she inevitably rebuffs him. I'll admit I didn't really get this one when I saw it as a teenager, but the idea of such unthinking male chauvinism unsettles me completely as an adult. Thanks, guys. Neil LeBute actually has a now that he mentions that, uh, has a bunch of great prank ones. Like The Shape of Things, have you guys seen that with Rachel Weiss and uh, the dude in that? You remember who the dude is? Is that Aaron Eckhart? Angus? I don't remember. That's also that's that's like the whole movie. Like it's like Company of Men. Is that's based on a, a prank that's being played throughout the movie? I wonder if Jason Patrick's Timmy Carter monologue in Your Friends and Neighbors, where they basically statistically rape some kid in high school, right. and then it turns out that it's Jason Patrick. It's the best sex he's ever had. Like yeah. this is kind of a prank gone wrong. And it's reminiscent wow. of my Breakfast Club pick, actually, because it takes place in a locker room when guys are getting undressed. Ew, dingus, gross. Too yeah. soon. That's what happens. That's how you get your butt taped. My favorite. I pay professional. That's the more you know. Uh, <laughs> my favorite Neil LeBute movie prank is uh, the bees and Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Markardson writes, hey guys, here are my three favorite pranks gone wrong or work in an unexpected and interesting way. He's kind Number of three. a little, that's an addition, I, I think. Are you going to pull him no, over? That's basically a lot of, Kelly kind of went on and on after he said the actual text. Oh, I see, right, that was Kelly elaborating. Right? Yeah, and if anybody, oh, can, yeah, if anybody can say the actual dialogue of Kelly Wand, it's Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so lost. I feel like Victoria right now. Kelly Wan, just read so the words. You'll be fine. <laughs> Number three, Dumb and Dumber. Lloyd and Harry prank their would-be assassin by putting atomic chili peppers in his burger, which results in the assassin having his ulcer flare-up. When he asks for his ulcer meds, he's mistakenly given 
the rap poison pills he was going to poison the guys with. Rap. Oh, the fuck is happening? <laughs> rap poison. I would say that any prank which winds up with you mistakenly killing your assassins one that works in an interesting way. Yeah, like Clouseau, huh, guys? Number two, a prank which brings to life one of the great pieces of cinema headgear certainly deserves to be on this list. In Friday the 13th, Part 3, Shelley, a dude, keeps pranking his friends by either appearing to be murdered or pretending to try and murder them. <laughs> do they know where they are? Like, I, mean, I was going to say, yeah, it's a terrible thing to do. It's in like Friday. going to ground zero and make... Never mind. <laughs> in his last prank, he wears the now iconic hockey mask as he pretends to attack one of the female characters. Shortly after that, Jason takes the mask from him after slitting Shelly's throat. Oh, so that's the origin. It's a prank mask. Prask. Jason's the new... Yeah, he's the new prankster. So when he takes Manhattan, it should have become like the Phantom of the Opera mask. Number one, Carrie. While the prank of dumping pig's blood on Carrie is a success, it brings out quite a reaction in her that I think qualifies this as a prank gone wrong. Wait, Thanks, which, guys. which one? Which Carrie? Hold on, which one? He didn't say. Well, that's, he put two movies. I better pull him over. He just he gave yeah he he just picked three movies. All right, Markinson. Let's see your license and registration. <laughs> Tom's got a point here. Nice try, Canadian. You know the rules. This is the shoulder. Aaron Vaughn writes, I've decided to go with a theme for this 3x3. See if you can guess. Number three, Seabass and the fellas offered to pick up our check. They said just put it on their tab. In Dumb and Dumber, Lloyd pranks a trucker group by leaving a bill on their tab. This later backfires when Seabass finds him alone in a bathroom stall at a gas station, a comedic effect. I feel like that was in... Carrie? <laughs> Which one? Which Dumb and Dumber? Oh, the 1977 one. Number two. No, you go first. No, you go first. Number two. Wait. No, you go first. No, you go first. In Dumb and Dumber, Harry and Lloyd prank their to-be assassin by loading his sandwich with atomic peppers. In agony, their victim yells for his bottle of pills, accidentally be given the rap poison he hopes to use on them. This one's kind of a prank gone wrong for both parties. It's a comedic effect. Number three again? Three, two, three. Number three... Second three, are you telling me that you were faking for 20 years? In Dumb and Dumber 2, Lloyd recovers. This is the only part of it I've seen from the trailer. Lloyd recovers from being comatose for 20 years since it was a prank to get back at Harry. Joke's on us who watched it. What was it a prank getting back? Like, what was the Harry prank that Lloyd was doing that for? Because you'd think that would be the one that goes wrong because you knock your buddy out of commission for 20 years. Yeah. Not a good idea. It doesn't end. The first movie doesn't end with a prank by him. Or does it? Did they go double tagsies, doozies or something? Is it that? I couldn't tell you. I don't remember. Bonus content. This is for Kelly, but he can read aloud in case everyone might enjoy these James Bond quotes from Dumb and Dumber 2. At one point, Lloyd goes, he wanted us to have a chance to bond. Then goes James Bond. Lloyd says, our word is our bond, then James Bond. Later, Lloyd says the word boned, 
and sneaks in James Boned. Thanks for the podcasts, Aaron Vaughn. All right, those are the listeners. Coming through big. Cleaning up the mess. Clean up the muck that Tom left in his bull in a china shop. Foolishness. <laughs> I didn't get pulled over, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but out of pity. Not getting was, pulled over is not getting pulled over, Kelly Wan. That's all I'm saying. Uh, all right. Do you want to are, are we up to runners-up yet? Yeah. Okay, so Tom, cool. this is the one I'm surprised you didn't pick. Are you ready for a quote? Yeah. He made me do it. Oh, dingus, dadgummit. Do you hear what he just did, Kelly Wand? Uh, the omen? Oh, my God. Dingus. Oh, do it again, dingus. See if Kelly Wand can get it. Oh, my God. Broke back. He he made me do it. Yeah, you got it, you got it right, dingus. You kind of have to Birth stutter. Birth of a nation? No, you have to stutter like the first. No, give it to him one more time, dingus. He's, he's sure to remember it. He he made me do it. Dirty grandpa. <sighs> Does it go wrong, though? I guess it does, because they get caught. Well, oh, you know what? No, it's totally going wrong, because it also causes a big scene. Yeah, right. fair enough. Right. Dad, comment, Kelly Wand. Point Kelly Wand, can I change my list, Kelly Wand, and take one of the nope. carries off? Your list is too good. <laughs> <laughs> now, you can take one off, and both carries have to stay. You can okay, so I'm taking off Joyride, and I'm putting as my number two favorite prank gone wrong in a movie, the kids with the fake cardboard fin in Jaws. <laughs> I actually believe the kid is near in, in the script is named as Prankster. Wow. Uh, See, oh. exactly, yeah. His so, kids have feeling, or his parents. <laughs> Jesus. And I forgot about that until Kelly was re- reading something or other from one of the listeners, and, I, and then it just occurred to me that I was surprised that you didn't pick that. Well, I did. It's my number two choice. Yeah, exactly. What about when Quint breaks the radio? That's a prank. Nope, oh, nope, not a prank. It's as much of a prank as your Star Wars pick. Boy, if anybody should have gotten pulled over on this, Kelly Wand, it's you. Yeah. What about when Hooper got out of the cage to prank Jaws? <laughs> he could have. Hooper had a great chance to do a prank by swimming up on Brody after Brody thought he blew up the shark. Like, boy, there were some great opportunities. And then Brody shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a double gone wrong. Yeah. All right, are you guys ready for a serious three by three? Wait, are there any more Jaws pranks? <laughs> no. When Bruce uh, comes up to the boat and just says, hey, and then goes back in the water. That is. <laughs> you know what? A prank gone right is uh, Ben Gardner. He probably, because there's no way, Jaws obviously hasn't chewed his face or anything. So he's like, I'm just going to drown myself and they'll think the shark ate me. So then when I come out, I... his head got bit off. How does that, that uh, that's prank gone wrong, I'd say. That's actually, <laughs> well, it looks staged and I think he had a hand in it. I think he and the shark worked something out. Could be. You know, they shot that after the principal photography, and it was shot in a swimming pool. I don't know if you know that. Just so you know. All of it? The whole movie? (laughs) All right. Are you guys ready for a serious three-by-three? Here we go. Yeah. Finally. Uh, There's a a saying attributed to Freud um, that actually he didn't (laughs) say, but it's attributed to him. Uh, Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Uh, Sometimes, however... It's not a cigar. It is actually a phallic symbol. What I want from you guys... <laughs> I think he said that part. Right? No, no. Right. I was he just assumed you got what he meant. <laughs> right. He didn't go, you see the scorpion and the spider. Uh, I had to explain it. Right. In case there was someone who didn't get it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, sometimes in a movie when, when a dude is swimming, it's just a dude swimming like Kellen Lutz in the Hercules movie. He's got a great swimming scene. 
doesn't mean anything. It's not there for significance. But sometimes when you see someone swimming or going underwater, emerging from the water, it's specific baptism or immersion or birth symbolism or imagery. Uh, so what I want from you are your three favorite like baptism slash immersion scenes, uh, and why do you think they're more than just a, like a dude swimming in the water? Does that kind of make sense? Any questions? No, that it. sounds harder than mine. Yeah, this one might take some work because you also have to sure explain explain yeah. like why it's not on on par with sometimes scars. Scar. Well, I know Carrie it. gets submerged in blood, so that's one. That's not a submersion. It's two or, actually. It could be a baptism though. Baptism, red baptism, baptism right? So are we are we avoiding literal literal baptism? No, 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 you could have a literal. Oh, oh, that's a good question, Dingus. Ted, come in. Yeah, let's avoid like Godfather in the movie. What the opening of the movie Birth? Well, I was thinking of O Brother. Yeah, yeah. So let's avoid literal baptisms. So these can okay, be figurative baptisms oh. because again, that's part of the imagery sometimes when a character is submerged or emerges from the water. Um, so no literal baptisms. These are all figurative baptisms. Uh, and by the way, sometimes a baptism is immersion. depends on what flavor of, of Christianity you practice. Sometimes baptism is full immersion. Sometimes it's just that thing where they smear a little water on your, your forehead. Right. So not literal, though. No godfather, no pics of birth, any, none of that. That's what about that movie Baps with Halle Berry? <laughs> is that a real movie? There's a movie called Baps? Yeah, Martin yeah. Landau. Is it? Yeah. B-A-P-S? Yeah, with with periods between the words. Yeah. Oh, are they like? In like a, is it like a secret agent? Uh, no, it's it's like no. Bl- it's like Japs. It's black American princesses or something like that. Yeah. Oh, she has like a gold tooth in it or something. Did not know that was a thing. Yeah. I prefer the no. Happy Berry movie where she fights a great white shark. That's a real thing, by the way. Not uh, there. By the way, there might actually be an immersion in that. So maybe some of you should check it out. Mm. Is are you talking about Billy Bob and? Uh, it's called Monsters Ball. Uh, if you have some picks for this 3x3, three three, we'd love to read them on the air. Send them to 3x3 at quarter2x3.com. Spell out the word quarter to 3 Words, no numerals in there. We'll read them on the air. Uh, also, if you happen to see before next week, that is before February 7th, if you happen to see Jane Got a Gun, Ooh. feel free to send us your comments about that. Or if you have anything you'd like us to discuss or questions, that's what we're going to see, and we're going to come back and discuss it next week. Uh, also next week, um, as was mentioned at the, the beginning of the podcast, please support our 2016 Make Us Watch Whatever You Want fun drive. Uh, also next week, I will be reading. Right now we've got about ten movies that folks have suggested. Some of them, by the way, are a couple of, there's a couple of pretty sadistic entries in here. So of course. let's get there's some votes, more votes in here where we don't fall prey to certain griefers. I'd, I'd like to encourage you to support that. It's just a dollar. Join us for that. And then next week, we'll read the movies that are at the top of the, the running. We'll read all of them uh, ranked for you next week. Uh, <laughs> griefers? Yeah. The, well, you'll see. What did you think was going to happen? You thought they'd go, oh, all right. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> let's have him do Chinatown. Yeah, it was something really good. That is who won that first time we did it. That that was basically with Jaws. Yeah, that Tyler Perry movie was definitely a griefer, but we got the Dwayne Johnson appearance, so I'm not entirely convinced it was a griefer. Oh, very good. Yeah, appearance. 
All right. Uh, so Jane got a gun next week. The three by three is a uh, literal, no, figurative baptisms or immersions. Uh, join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Moralaski. It's Christian Moralaski. Oh, right. Close. Uh, and and we had Kelly Wand. What about the monster's other ball? Is that? Think is that music makes me want to make out with you. You don't seem German at all. Deeper. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! I could hear you, Ventuso! <laughs> you guys, I just want to say I love you. Oh. What's that from? Me. Yes. Yeah.